Hello, what's up? Welcome to Be The Vibe Radio with your favorite hostess, Crystal Sun, me. Um, it is Friday, uh, March 26th, I believe, 2021, and I am still telling my story. This is part two of my story, how I got here. Um, I had to wait a few days and, you know, kind of, well, one, I got busy, but I kind of wanted to let part one get out there and marinate for a bit. And um, I've got some really good feedback. You know, you guys always love my stories, (laughs) especially when I'm just kind of sharing my own. So I really appreciate the feedback that I've gotten so far. And I am so ready to talk about about part two. So with that being said, um, the last time I left off with my sharing my experience was me moving out of the crazy white people's house and moving in with my aunt. So um, it was around, I want to say, yeah, it was about mid to like the third week of December of 2015. And um, I ended up transitioning out of Celeste and Tom's house into living with my aunt. Now, my aunt, it's my grandmother's sister on my mom's side. And, um, you know, my aunt, she's such an interesting character. You know, she is definitely the black sheep of the family for her generation. You know, Leo, you know, so I'm a Leo too. So, you know, when I talk about our dynamic, um, it'll make sense because <laughs> we butt heads a lot. We butt heads a lot then and we still butt heads now. Um, but, you know, just very, you know, loving, very generous, very giving. Um, you know, so my aunt um, is a recovering addict. She'd been out, um, you know, living in Atlanta for, you know, maybe about 20 years. I mean, no, about 10 years or so. Um and you know just out on drugs until she just decided that she wanted to get clean and from there you know she went into rehab she um you know got a really good job you know in behavioral health uh, field as a peer counselor so she takes on you know different cases case studies casework is what she does and then she got bought a house so right around the time that um you know I really needed to find another spot is when she was settled in her house and she invited me to to move in and I love my aunt's house it is you know in East Point near downtown a few blocks up from the East Point train station it's a beautiful neighborhood very quiet um kind of you know middle class a lot of families um her house itself it's about technically it's two bedrooms plus like a den um like a really big like den area there's a really big family room in the front a really beautiful kitchen there's like a back sunroom um which is where I end up spending most of my time at um and then there's this really long backyard so, you know, I'm moving, you know, and I'm there with my aunt. And at this point, I am doing my real estate. I'm full throttle in the, my real estate. And honestly, this is the time period where I am doing the most with my real estate license. So I was hustling, doing a lot with uh, rentals. And let me tell you, <laughs> rentals... That time period is the reason why I don't do rentals to this day. People are always hit me up and say, hey, you know, can you help me find a rental? Being a rental agent in Atlanta is is a fucking nightmare. It is, it's, you know, it's a seller's market. It's a landlord's market. There's more demand than there's supply. And so it is like super competitive, super demanding. Like you can show a house in the morning. And if that application is not submitted by the afternoon, that place is gone. 
Um, you know, the rental requirements are very strict here in Georgia, in Atlanta specifically. Kind of unrealistic in my opinion, you know, um, and just like the the the, the rent, uh, credit score, like the, the the requirements of your credit are are um, unrealistic. The income requirements are unrealistic, and you know then they do background checks, which you know all of that really is designed to exclude people of color because people of color tend to have records, people of color tend to um, you know have poor credit, and people of color tend to make less than their white counterparts. So a lot of times those things alone will bar a lot of people of color from being able to rent um, in desirable areas. So. But hey, I needed to make money, you know, and I had it is easier to even though it is a lot more work, it's a faster turnover to do rentals than it is to sell a house like you sell a house. It takes longer, but then you're making a several thousand dollars versus, you know, you you get somebody in a rental and you um, get a referral fee. And the referral fee can be anywhere from $100 to $800 to $1,000 if you're doing luxury. So what I did was I was I was specializing in luxury rentals. You know, I would show, I would get people in, and I would get my check. Um, so that's what I was doing. You know, that's what I was doing. Um, and then also at the time, you know, I was really actively dating, still, shaman hands. Um, so, you know, at this point, like, we are seriously dating and at some point, um, he was looking to um, get his own place. He was rooming as well with some people. He was looking for something. At the time, he was working at, uh, in the wellness department at Sevenanda, which he loved that job. He loved working at Sevenanda in the wellness department. And, um, yeah, so he was, you know, working there. And, you know, he was looking to rent or get into his own place. Um, I'm staying with my aunt until I can get my own place. I was looking but, you know, I wasn't really finding anything that was really, you know, that was affordable or just, you know, desirable where I wanted to live that felt safe. So I was just kind of, you know, um, just kind of holding out, you know, and just like, OK, well, I'm at my aunt. It's comfortable. Um, and, um, you know, I was paying whatever I could pay with her. So at some point, you know, Shaman Hands, you know, came up with the idea of us, you know, getting a place together. And I was all for it. You know, we're already dating. I don't have a problem cohabitating, you know, with the partner. Um, he, we were already always at each other's houses anyway. So, you know, even to even go further than that, he was like, you know, hey, do you think your aunt will let me stay with you, with you guys, you know, and then we can consolidate our, our money and, you know, and then it'll make it easier for us to kind of go from, you know, your aunts to just our own place. And I was like, I, I don't see why not. So he approached my aunt and my aunt was cool with it. So he moves in. So it's me and him. And we were, you know, we had the den room. Um, and then it was my aunt, you know. Um, and I think he moved in probably with us around February, um, maybe even March. He was with that, you know, so I was with my aunt for a few months, you know, which is me and her before Shaman Hands moved in with us. And I mean, it was cool. You know, it was cool because, you know, we were walking distance from the train station. So I still don't have my car at this point. Okay, still don't have my car. Um, I just wasn't in the position to bring it out. 
Um, and so, you know, it made it easier being with my aunt because literally it was a 10 minute walk from the transition to her house. And with, you know, Shaman Hands, his main mode of transportation to get to Sevenanda was, you know, the train as well. So it's just the whole situation was was convenient. You know, my aunt would get up and go to, no, well, Shaman Hands would get up first to go to work because he had to be at Sevenanda by like 7.30, right? So he's out the door by like 6, 37 o'clock. So, you know, he's getting, you know, out the door. My aunt, you know, wakes up next and she's up out the door, you know, to go to her job. And then me, I'm fully doing my real estate. So I'm up answering emails, taking phone calls, and then I would get up and do showings when I needed to do showings. And it was a really cool environment. You know, I was, we would, you know, I was the most into my um, health around then, you know, so eating healthy, definitely doing more exercising, more yoga. I was definitely the most into my yoga during that period of time. Um, Walking everywhere definitely helped. Um... And we would be doing a lot of juicing and, you know, like, because Shaman Hands is very much about nutrition and very much about healthy eating. So we were all in it. Um, My aunt at the time had some health issues that she needed help with. And so we were assisting her with that as well, helping her get her diet together. Um, I remember she had asked me to clean out, you know, her cupboards, you know, just kind of got rid of the to get rid of like the unhealthy foods um, out of her cupboard. And, you know, I went through her cupboard. Now you're talking about a woman who's in her 60s that grew up in the South, you know, or the Midwest, really, kind of technically. And so that generation and, you know, that, um, you know, region, you know, you you can already imagine what her pantry looked like. <laughs> so I went through and I cleared out her pantry. And I pretty much threw, I had to throw away damn near everything in the pantry. And I, you know, of course, I replaced it with substitutes and healthy things. But I remember when she got back and she saw that half her, most of her, half if not most of her stuff was missing. She was so mad. She was so mad at me. But, but we got her on point. We got her on point with her health and her eating and everything. Um, and that's really what it was, you know, for the first um, few months of the three of us um, being there. So it's during this time that I see the most growth um, with my business as far as just with my real estate Um, and even with therapeutic vibrations, because, you know, at this time, I'm still doing classes with Darnita at the chiropractic office. But I'm really full, full force with my real estate to the point where um, a friend of mine who's in Vegas hits me up. Because she started a nonprofit housing agency, which is, you know, the field that I used to be in before I got my license. And, you know, she asked me if I can do some consulting for her um, because she um, got a hold of some grants, got some a hold of some properties and basically wanted to um, flip them, you know, flip them. And, um, you know, in order to just kind of do some more things with her nonprofit housing agency. Um, so I was all for it, you know, because, you know, I, even though I couldn't conduct actual real estate in the state of Nevada, cause I was no longer licensed there, you know, you, I could definitely charge a consulting fee and just, you know, consult away. So that's what I did. And it was very profitable, you know, very profitable. My main consulting work was helping them decide which properties to purchase, you know, so, um, you know, they would give me comps, they would give me like data on the different, um, on the different, um, you know, properties. And I would just 
you know, let them know which ones would be the best, you know, most cost effective or bang for the buck um, for what they were trying to accomplish. And I was able to um, and I received, a, you know, a, I had a flat fee, you know, I had a flat fee for that um, for that consulting. But, you know, I got a lot of bonuses, too, when the um, those houses, um, you know, if, if I if they purchased a house that I recommended and the house sold, um, then I got a bonus for that. You know, so I was making some good ass money doing that consulting. I'm talking like like thousands of dollars. And, and you know, it's so funny now, like um, if I was making now, if I was making now what I was making then, I, you know, I it was a lot of money. And I kind of wish I had not been more responsible because I was actually very responsible with my money. I just wish that I had saved more and just kind of did some different things with the money that I was making. So I'm doing that. In the meantime, me and Shaman Hands are starting to put classes together. You know, this is where we this is where my presence starts to be a little bit more felt in the spiritual community. Um, you know, I had a YouTube channel that I'd started. I started doing videos. Um, you know, if you go on my YouTube and you see old, old videos like circa 2015, 16, you kind of start to see like the early stages of me doing social media related stuff. Um, you know, at that point, I kind of shift my Instagram and I'm doing more, you know, pretty more spiritual stuff and business related stuff on my Instagram. My Instagram is less personal and more, you know, related to like my business. Um, me and Silts, we get on at this time. It's like Periscope was the big thing. This is to let you know how long ago this was, because I'm like. Does anybody even talk about Periscope? Like, is anybody even on Periscope anymore? I feel like that just went in and went out. But we used to do this thing where um, I guess that might have been like the start of what, what became Sunday service. Um, or I think that might have been what Sunday service was in the beginning. But we would get up um, and we would I think it was on Sundays at like 5.55 a.m. And we would do like these Periscope videos. And I don't even remember what the fuck we talked about or what we <laughs> Oh my goodness, but we would get up and we would go in the back of my my aunt's um sun porch and you know as the sun was coming up, we would do these periscope videos. Um you know, other than that, we started doing classes like um at Darnita's space at the chiropractic office. And so there's a couple of early ones I remember like with the bleep do we eat and the answer to everything. And you know, we would get these little vendors and you know, we would or we did one on, um, you know, the sacred sexuality was a series, which that one probably was our most successful one. We had the most registration for that um, class. But, yeah, we started to actually offer workshops. You know, we would get we would make flyers and we would print them up and we would pass them out and people would register. And that's how I started really kind of putting myself out there more um, within the spiritual community. And it's also through this endeavor or these endeavors and what's through stilts that I start to immerse more in the Western community. So I start to get introduced to people like Gigi or Tassili um, and Tiffany Janae, which I was a part of her organic blood Facebook group a while back. Um you know, I get introduced to Honeysuckle Moon and, um, you know, Honey and Raja, you know. So these are like key people that I start to really like connect with, um, you know, while doing classes, while, you know, and through my connection with Shaman Hands, because he already knew a lot of these people. Um, 
So, you know, so those are the kind of like the 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 beginning stages of my associations with a lot of these different spiritualists in the in the Atlanta community. Um, And that's just really what it was. You know, it was just hustling, doing classes and, you know, the the holistic health, um, you know, during this time. So there's a couple of very significant things that happen while I am during this fourth transition that I'm with my aunt. Um, the first one is this Yoni egg business. So at the time we're talking like 2016, you know, Yoni eggs was like a huge deal. Um, so, you know, there was a few, um, I think my aunt Petrova was one that was selling, um, eggs. Tiffany Janae was selling eggs. China Brooks was selling eggs. And there was another one, um, Grace, something Grace, something was, um, I can't remember her name. She was, you know, so there was like Yoni Eggs was like a big fad around this time. And there was quite a few key people that were selling them. And one of them was the main one was Tiffany Janae. And, you know, like I said, like I was a part of her group, you know, Organic Blood at the time. And, I, you know, and it's, a, it's the same way that I am with all groups. Like I'm there, I observe. I don't really say much, you know, unless, I, unless I'm compelled to. But I mainly just observe, you know. I was in it because I, it was told that... You know, I was told before I came to Atlanta that she was a good person to know and connect with, you know. Um, And so I, you know, requested her on Facebook before I came to Atlanta and I joined her group. Um, And then that was it. You know, I didn't really, you know, I I, at the time I wasn't really using Yoni eggs like that. It just really wasn't my thing. Um, I was doing other types of womb work and divine feminine work. So I wasn't really into the Yoni eggs. But. I am a crystal guru. Like, that's my thing. Like, crystals are my craft. So, um, there was a situation where another sister by the name of Flower Omega had posted this um, link to this workshop she was doing or this talk where she was going to discuss the correlation of, you know, cancer, you know, um, cervical cancer um, being connected to the Usignoni eggs. Well, I missed the workshop. Um, I think I either had a gig or I was working something. So I didn't catch the workshop. There was no replay or anything. Um, So I just decided to do my own research on it, you know. Um, So what I did, my research, um, because I'm very familiar about the chemical compositions of stones. I'm very much about learning that type of stuff. Um, you know, I was into the science of crystals before I was into the metaphysics of crystals. So the, the science part of things, I'm very much, you know, abreast to. So what I discovered when I did my own research was that, um, you know, stones that have um, a moss scale, a softness that's too low um, and or stones that have aluminum in their comp- chemical composition are the ones that will cause likely to cause cervical cancer. So once I found that out, I was like, OK, so I went and I um, posted on my own Facebook page. I was like, hey, you know, for those who are into Yoni eggs, you know, I did my research and this is, you know, this is the connection. So, you know, you want to stay away from stones that are less than a six on the moss scale. They're too soft. The reason being is because um, stones that are too soft are porous. And so bacteria and other things, material, you know, minerals, um, adverse minerals can get in the pores and then they're released into your um, vagina or into your cervix when you are inserting the, the egg. The other thing is that stones that are too soft 
will literally break pieces of it will break off. Um, and it may not be like an obvious big chip, you know, that breaks off, but it's little pieces um, that that are microscopic that break off and they can end up in your your vagina, you know, in your in your um, womb. And so um, and then, of course, aluminum causes cancer. You know, aluminum is linked to Alzheimer's and dementia and just other, um, you know, um, cancerous or um, deteriorative diseases. And so the reason for that is that aluminum is not something that is natural, a natural mineral in our body. So the reason why crystals work for us is because they attune to the natural um, uh, minerals that are already present in the body. So if, I mean, we don't have aluminum in our body. That's the reason why we, our body rejects it. That's the reason why, you know, when we introduce aluminum, it causes side effects. Um, so I just listed some crystals to stay away from, uh, like tiger's eye, um, fluorite. Well, tiger's eye because it's too soft, you know, a lot. And there's a, and there's a lot of crystals, a lot of yoni eggs I've seen made of, of tiger's eye, and that's just not safe. Um, so that was the Moscow side of things, but, um, the chemical composition I listed, I think it was rhodonite, um, malachite, unikite, um, fluorite. So you, you can kind of see a theme. A lot of the crystals that have ITE at the end of them, they have the, the, they had aluminum in their chemical composition. Um, and so those are the ones that I just recommended that, you know, that you stay away from, you know, as far as the yoni egg. Well, apparently Somebody took that post off my page, my own personal Facebook page, copied it, pasted it, and posted it in Tiffany Janae's organic blood group. Now, without my consent, without my, you know, and I know exactly who did it, you know, and I'm not mad. I understand, you know, you, you, you know, if you are the person who did it, if you are listening, um, you know, no, you just, you thought you were just trying to share information. I get it. No big deal. You know, but there was no conversation, no warning, nobody, it wasn't asked previously. Not that I would have had an issue with it. Um, I personally would not have done that because like, for example, I, that's why I posted it on my own Facebook page instead of going in Tiffany Janae's organic blood group and posting it there because that's not my house. That's not my platform. That's hers, you know, and she's in the business of yoni eggs, you know, so I wasn't going to blow, you know, I wasn't going to post that in there when that's her, her domain. That just would have been disrespectful for me to do that. M- you know, my thoughts, but somebody else, you know, went and did it and, um, and then the post got deleted. Okay. So this is when it gets a little like, Hmm. So the post got deleted. I think, you know, Tiffany Jenny had a lot of admins that would go in and maintain. Um, oh, my bad. I, I, I'm here at my house with my window open because it's a nice day. So if you hear all the police sirens and shenanigans outside, I apologize. But I will take this moment to sip my ginger tea. So. Tiffany Janae had a lot of admins that would manage her her group page. It was a few. Um, and one of them went in and deleted the post. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, I was like, I wasn't upset about it because I wasn't the one that put it up there to begin with. But then I, but I did think that that was interesting. You know, I'm thinking to myself, if you got an advocate of womb health, 
Why would you not want that information to be in there? Especially because none of the crystals that I listed were ones that she sold as yoni eggs. So it wasn't like it would have been bad for her business. It actually would have, in my opinion, it would have helped her business for her to share that information. You know, but hey, whatever. I'm not so I'm not slanging yoni eggs. So what? And it's not my group. Whatever. I didn't get involved until somebody had posted in the group. Hey, was there um, a post about? Uh, I saw a post about yoni eggs and cancer, and it's gone. You know, can somebody you know tag me or can someone show me where it went? So then that's when I stepped in. And I said, you know, the, it was my post. You know, it was taken from my page. I said, um, but I'm going to go ahead and, you know, this is what it said, you know, and I copied and pasted my response, you know, my page and put it under her response. That got deleted. Not only did that get deleted, but then I got a message from one of Tiffany Janae's, I call them minions because, you know, she really, she really did have minions with her. You know, these women who were on her that wouldn't, that would not tell her her shit stank. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. Um, because someone definitely did need to tell Tiffany Janae her shit stank. <laughs> I don't think that you, if you're in any group and you have people around you, you, you can't have everybody kissing your ass. You have to have somebody willing to step up to you and check you. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise you got minions. And so one of her minions, um, messaged me on Facebook and basically was like, could you please not post that type of information in the group? And I was like, well, first of all, I didn't post it originally. You know, I said somebody else did. It was taken from my page. I said, um, I said, but, you know, I only answered because someone was asking about it after it got deleted. Um, I said, but but my question is, why wouldn't a advocate for womb health want that type of information there, to, you know, for, for their women, the women to know? This little dumb girl gonna tell me that the information is false, that it is exaggerated because, you know, um, the, the, the chemicals in the yoni egg are almost the same. They, they're harmless because they're the same as if you were to take vitamins and that you have like trace um, minerals and vitamins. <laughs> and I was just like... <laughs> That's when I really kind of just, because I wasn't really going to get into it, you know what I'm saying, with someone who is just doing her job and, you know, and and and, and admitting for a, a group. But when she started to tell me that dumb shit, I was like, are you serious? I said, so, and I just went in. I broke the signs down. I said, that's not true. You know, I said, um, I broke the signs down, um, broke, just, I just completely shot bullet holes through her whole bullshit theory you know um and was at the end of the day I was like as at the end of the day aluminum is a toxic mineral would you take would you ingest mint like aluminum like you know like <laughs> you know um oh my god I now you know I'm getting annoyed again because it was such a ridiculous exchange and you know, the fact that she just tried to gaslight me on it. And, and then at the, that's when I really was just like, you know what? Now I'm going to start some shit. I wasn't going to start some shit. Now I'm going to start some shit because this girl is basically bullshitting me and trying to sweep some very important health 
um information under the rug so her boss can sell fucking sixty dollar yoni eggs. Like <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Are you serious? So I did what I always do. When I don't have a platform, I create my own. So I was like, okay, well, I clearly can't trust these girls to tell accurate information about Yoni Eggs. So let me make a video and talk about Yoni Eggs. And that's what I did. I had a part one and a part two was a full-blown video on Yoni Eggs. Um, And my whole thing is I had no skin in the game because I don't sell Yoni Eggs. I sell crystals, but never once have I ever sold a yoni egg because that's womb health and womb health is not my calling that is not my ministry that is not my medicine you know i leave that to the the womb you know the womb angels is what i call them but that's just but crystals is my thing you know so um i broke it down i did this whole video um on you honestly right now that that video is my most viewed video on youtube that's actually the video that made me that really gave me recognition um, on social media and um, in these spiritual streets. Um, and um, that's really what put my name out there was that video. And I think to date that video has like, I don't know, maybe t- over 200,000 views. I don't know. Um, and people still, it's an old ass video. If you go on YouTube, you go to Therapeutic Vibrations, you can see it. It's like an old video, clearly on like one of my old you know, first generation iPhone <laughs> cameras. This shit's all grainy. Actually, I think I actually recorded that on, I might have even recorded that on Periscope first, downloaded the video and then uploaded it. Um, or I might have I recorded it directly from the YouTube channel. Well, I don't know what the fuck, but it's a poor quality video, super grainy, lighting's terrible, you know, I'm in like a head wrap and a dress and I'm drinking tea and I'm just talking about Yoni eggs, but the information that I gave is accurate and, you know, that video still gets viewed. So that is a major, one of the first major occurrences that happened. The other thing that happened is as a result of that, I end up getting um, formally connected with China Brooks um with like and it wasn't like we talked like personally that comes later and I'm gonna tell us I got a whole fucking story about (sighs) China Brooks (laughs) which I know some people are gonna be so happy to hear me tell this story um but um but you know we we connect on on um on social media and we kind of interact um and so that is, you know, that's what happens, you know, as I am, you know, at my aunt's house. These are just kind of my real introductions into the spiritual community. And, you know, I will tell you, even with the classes that me and Shama Hands were doing, it was a lot to put those classes together. You know, we were spending money on the space. You know, we were using Darnita's office, but we paid her for that. You know, we would buy food. You know, we didn't have a car. So we're running around, you know, sometimes using my aunt's car you know, running around on foot, martyr, whatever, to get the things done, um, rallying all the vendors that we would have, getting the flyers out, getting registration. You know, Atlanta, Atlanta folks are good for some last minute registration shit. You know, like that's one thing that actually stopped me from doing events for a very long time was dealing with Atlanta folks because they y'all will do some shit at the last minute. You know, and for somebody who has to do like a head count or make sure there's enough of, of things or just to secure certain, um, you know, a head count, 
that shit would be stressful, you know. So it got to a point where I just wasn't enjoying putting workshops together, you know. And then on top of that, for the amount of information that we were providing for people, we were providing so much information on metaphysics, chakras, sacred sex, tantra, nutrition, food, metaphysics, like um, meditations, all of that for very little bit of money, you know. So we would charge like... 30 40 bucks if that and we would give out so much information to people um so those were a lot of early lessons on our value you know um you know uh, um, demanding our value which we weren't doing at the time but you know we were also working and having other means of income and we really just were excited about being able to just connect with people and and teach you know our what we knew so, you know, that's that's pretty much how it was at my aunt's house. Very uneventful, you know, as far as just like, you know, crazy shit. You know, it was actually one of the most peaceful times. Well, until my cousin moved in with her son, you know, and then it that got to be a little bit crowded, um, you know, and then it just having a baby. I mean, he was a baby baby. You know, he would, you know, cry during the night and things like that. But other than that, it really wasn't anything compared to living situations that I was in previously to my aunt. So it, we really were able to save money and just get so much um, established during that time. And we were there. Um, well, I was there from December until we moved into our, our, our place, um, our own place in June. I think it was June, June or July. It might have been. No, it was June. It was June when we moved in. Um and no, I, it was July. It really, now I think about it, it was July because I wanted to be June and Shaman Hands wanted the, the I guess Mars was in, Mercury, in retrograde and Venus was in retrograde and he wanted like the timing to be right. So I think it was July 1st that we transitioned into our, our own spot. But, you know, so I was there for six months. He was there for like four months and it was a really, you know, good, good setup. So we're getting into about April or May, and now we're looking, you know, for a place. Um, you know, I had money set aside, he had money set aside, and we just go looking. You know, we're going and we're looking. Um, you know, we had an idea of what type of place we wanted. And I'll tell you, you know, this is a big part of my story. Me and Shaman Hands were very intentional with visualizing what we wanted to manifest. Like, we wrote down all of our criteria down to details bedroom how many bedrooms how big the kitchen was like what type of backyard what type of area what what it was accessible to um and we held that vision we held that vision for months you know leading up to looking finding what we wanted um or more so attracting what we wanted to us in addition to that uh, to be honest me and him did a lot of sex magic too to manifest um that's actually how I manifested a lot of things with shaman hands is through through tantra and sex magic um you know so we were doing a lot of that at the time you know we we were able to be in a space that allowed us to do that um and so you know we a lot of you know things were really popping really 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 popping um for us for that time so we find a place that we like and um we put a um we put in an application. It was one of those managed by big property management company, Havenbrook Homes. They 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 own a lot of properties in the city, you know. They have this huge like five-story corporate office up in Duluth, you know, very very like nice property management company. And they own all these houses around town. 
So um, we originally wanted to be in the east side. So we we're looking in like, you know, Decatur area. We found a house we really, really liked, put in the application, put in the, in the deposit to secure it, um, you know, paid. Um, it was $750. And um, now here's the funny thing. So um, I, you know, I'm hustling, so my income isn't consistent, you know. So I'm having to just go by like bank statements and things to prove my income, um, and my credit's locked. So let me tell you about that. Before I came to Atlanta, I locked my credit. Locking your credit means that nobody can pull your credit unless you unfreeze it for a certain amount of time or you give them like a special code for them to check. I did that because I'm going to put y'all onto something. Um, property management, they don't need to check your credit to approve you for a place. They really don't. It's not a, a legal requirement. It's an industry standard. And an industry standard means that rules can be bend, bended. You know, you can rules can be broken and bended for you, right? And at the end of the day, credit is only used as one of means to discriminate. Let's be real, um, or just to, just you know, at, at its purest intention, just to check to see how well you pay your bills. But really, or if you are able to pay your bills, but really, your income will state whether or not you um, can pay. So if you at least meet the income requirement, which is like three times the rent of whatever place that you're renting from, then most places will they'll kind of let some things off your credit slide, barring some evictions. But really, they don't need to check your credit to approve you. It's just what people do. Right. And I know this because I'm in the housing industry. So I lock my credit. Nobody can check my credit. Um, and I went and, you know, we put in a joint application for this this house and I didn't tell them my credit was locked. I wanted to see what would happen. Um, so they check the credit and I get a call from the property management and they're telling me that my credit is locked in for me to unlock it. And I tell them, no, they weren't expecting that. Okay. Um, the girl was, she was like, huh? You know, I was like, I'm not unlocking my credit. And I told her, I was like, I was a victim of identity theft. My credit is currently under investigation. I was advised not to unlock my credit until the investigation is over. That's what I told her. She wasn't prepared for that. So then she, I was like, you know, but I was. Cause she, so she didn't know how to, the girl didn't know how to respond. And I told her, I said, look, what other requirements can be used so that we can get into this house? Um, because you, on another level too, there's a lot of people who come from other countries that don't have credit. America is one of the only or very few countries that actually have a credit system. So what do you do when you have people coming from out of the country, you know, um, alien residents, people who just don't have social security numbers? How do you rent to them? There's some rules around that. OK, that's also how I know that the whole system's bullshit. Right. So then her thing was her response was like, well, you know, the only other way we can approve you is if, you know, um, you know, we increase the deposit, which I was already prepared for. I was prepared to pay two, three times the deposit you know, to offset the fact that they couldn't check my credit. Um, and, you know, I said, okay, you know, I got that, you know, an increased, you know, deposit, you know, that's cool. And then she said, um, and then, you know, if you guys combine, make five times the rent. Well, we did, you know, because she was looking at my credit, my, cause it was a joint, um, application. So she was looking at my income and Shaman Hand's income. So I was like, well, we do, you know, and then so she looked, she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, you do, you know, and then she went ahead and she approved us and that's how we got approved for the house. Now, the issue though, was that by the time they did all that, 
the house we put a deposit on ended up getting rented, but they didn't know that, you know? So it wasn't until we were trying to get ready to, you know, get leases and get everything together that they called us again and said, hey, the property that you wanted ended up getting rented. You know, we weren't aware when you put in your deposit. So we're going to have to put, you know, put you in another spot. But the good news was that they had so many properties. And once you were approved for one application, you were pretty much proof for anything else that they had that you could afford. So we were like, okay, but yes, we're approved. We can move forward with that. But now we're back to square one with um, having to look again. So that's just kind of how that whole thing went with us transitioning, going into the fifth transition, which is us getting into finally, you know, us both getting into our own place. And this is after a year um, or almost two years, you know, two years pretty much of, cause me and Shaman Hands got to Atlanta around the same time. We'd moved to Atlanta within months of each, of each other. So this was two years of us living with other people and just kind of bouncing from place to place. You know, so the fifth transition is that we finally get into our own spot. So transition number five is, holy shit, we have our own fucking house, yo. Like we we're so ecstatic like um we ended up okay so the other place got taken we ended up looking some more we ended up finding this really nice house over in um near uh metropolitan in cleveland which the area over there itself is (laughs) not ideal it's hood you know um we were literally walking distance from that walmart over there on cleveland um, you know, and on the back end of like uh seventy five, eighty five, whatever. Um and like one sixty six I think was right over there too. But the actual little like area pocket that we were in was perfect. Um all mostly veterans, old people, quiet. Um, the house itself, it had a ramp. I guess whoever had lived there before was um in a wheelchair, so they had built this ramp. Um, total, like, total, you know, typical Atlanta house, you know, which is like the three bedroom, this one, three bedroom, one bathroom, you know, kitchen long, uh, living room and like a backyard, you know, but it, it pretty much met all of our criteria. The only thing it didn't have, I think it didn't have a, a dishwasher. I don't think it had a dishwasher and I don't, or I think it did, but it didn't have a, um, it didn't have a uh, a garbage disposal. So, like, it pretty much matched all of our criterias except for, like, these few things, you know. So, our our sex magic worked, our, our manifestation, visualization magic worked. Um, and then they ended up even lowering the price of the rent a little bit so it could fit our income limits. Um, so, that was a blessing. And so, we went and we paid our deposit, paid our rent, and we moved in. You know, we left my aunt's house. And moved in into this is transition number five um, is our house. And I'm going to tell you, this is where a lot of things just bust wide the fuck open for us spiritually. So much happens in this time that we're in this house, you know, Um, things really, really shift, you know, so still to still working or shaman hands is still working at Sevenanda um, and he just gets a raise, which, you know, uh, y'all know whoever's familiar with seven on they don't pay well we already know they don't pay well um and he'd been working there for a while you know they really don't pay a working wage for the amount of money that they get 
I'm just going to say that. Put that out there. Um, and I'm putting that all out there on behalf of all the 700 workers I know that used to work there or who still work there. You know, but people who work there be struggling. And, you know, Shaman Hands was struggling. It wasn't until he was able to really get his raise and get more money that he was able to really sustain himself. You know what I'm saying? And even then, that was barely. Um... So, you know, then I'm, I'm, but I'm also making tons of money with just my real estate, you know, so, um, I, um, I use that money to invest in my business. Um, so many key things happen. I, um, sign up and I get certified as a Reiki master. So I was already doing energy work, but I got formally trained and initiated as a Reiki, as a level three Reiki master. So I use my money to invest in that. Um, I use my money to invest in um, getting my LLC for therapeutic vibrations, making it official. I use my money to invest in, um, you know, crystals and, um, you know, just all the things that I've been wanting for my business. Um, and so it was just amazing. And I will tell you, like that time period, like the first because we moved in, I, I'm pretty sure it was July those first August, September, three months, four months of living there were amazing. You know, um, it was just the freedom. We ended up turning the backyard into a garden um, because it had like this really beautiful backyard space that was fenced in. And then there was a like a little hut. I think it might have been like a chicken shed or chicken coop kind of thing. Um, but I ended up making it my herb house. And so I was able to grow herbs back there. Plus, we had a shed for all of our um garden tools and we were able to decorate i had bought some art and started decorating and we had our ancestor altars up and we were able to you know move freely we had you know the two bedrooms plus an office and the kitchen the kitchen was kind of small i think that might have been my only issue you know was that the kitchen was small but um you know it wasn't like that big of a deal it wasn't definitely not a deal breaker and then we had like a little um sunroom like a little uh patio area in the front you know so there was two ways to get into the house the side you know you walk in through like this screen door and then there's like this um little chill room like a sunroom and then you walk into the house through another door or through the front door um and I really love that house you know um so you know I get new furniture like a bed and we get, um, you know, stuff in the kitchen and, you know, it was just really, really great. Um, so at that time, I'm investing in my business. I'm getting my Reiki stuff together. Um, this is the time that I start to really um, do start doing things. I start vending, you know, so this is where I start getting into the vending community here in Atlanta. Atlanta has a very strong, solid vending community. There's so many festivals and events that you could just pop up at set up a table and just hustle. Um, so I, this is when I get introduced to Yesa, um, Sun Goddess Jewelry. She was doing her naturalopathy event. And I don't even know how I heard about it. Um, I can't, I don't know if she reached out to us or we reached out to her, but she, it was, um, it had been her second. No, I remember how I met Yesa um, at a nature stroll. She came out um, to a nature stroll Pangea's garden because Vincent had connected with her and um because she adorns you know she makes jewelry and things like that and so she came out 
Um, and I met her and then she invited me to her event. And so I started vending, um, mostly doing readings. That's when I started doing readings at events again. Um, so I get introduced to her and then it's through her that I meet another woman by the name of Katrina, um, Olorun Tommy, I think that's how you say her last name or Olo. And I definitely have a story about Olo that I'm going to share freely. Um, <laughs> definitely have a story about Olo. Um, but, you know, I meet, I meet them, you know, and I'm vending. We're doing, um, you know, we're doing Tassili's Mystic Fair and we're doing her, um, her, uh, what did we do? Mystic Fair, we did the Rizzo to Raw events and... Um, at the time, we weren't doing the bigger festivals like Malcolm X Fest or um, Juneteenth. We hadn't been doing those yet. But this is where we start really getting into the vending. And vending is fucking lucrative in Atlanta. Vending is hella lucrative here. You know, I on a bad day, on a slow or a, um, you know, unsupported event, I could at least make up my vending fee. You know, because vending fees usually are cheap. You're going to spend anywhere from $50, $75, maybe $100, depending on the event. And I would at least make up my vending event and you know, my fee um, or at the low end, a couple hundred to we've made a few thousand dollars, you know, um, and this is like selling crystals and doing readings. This is not even like selling like major big ticket items. Um, so vending is very lucrative, very, very lucrative. And that's when I start to really get into it. And that's where I discovered that I really like vending because at the end of the day, even if I'm there and I don't really sell anything, I'm, I'm networking, I'm passing out cards, I'm getting cards, I'm making con connections. Um, and that's a very strong thing to do here in Atlanta. That's a very good way to get your name out, to get your face seen, um, and to, to really kind of get to know your community and let your community get to know you is through, through doing vending events. Something else that's significant around this time is that um, as we are in our own space, my channeling and my mediumship skyrocket. Um, I believe that it's because we were, because we had our own space, we were able to do more with our altars. Um, at the time, we only had ancestor altars. That's really all that I was working with in the beginning. Because, um, I mean, for one, I never really was a fan of having like a whole bunch of altars. But two, I just never, I was living with people. I never had the space, you know, to really have a bunch of altars. So I only was working my ancestor altar. And when we had our own, when we got into our own place, um, I was able to sit with it more, do more with it, give offerings, really, really just connect with my ancestors. So my channeling, my mediumship amped up a lot. Um, I started having a lot of dreams that I couldn't explain, um, which later I learned um, that they were enjoying dreams related to Arisha, dreams related to Lua, um, dreams related to Congo spirits um, and my own spirit guides. Um, you know, so that's kind of uh, the turning point for my spirituality was when we lived, in, you know, and when we went into this fifth transition to, you know, the house um, that we were in. Um, so there was just a lot going on, you know, but everything was looking up. Everything was definitely looking up. Um, you know, great time. You know, me and Shaman Hands were just enjoying ourselves, enjoying each other, still doing a lot of sex magic, <laughs> a lot of Tantra, um, you know. Um, and then at the time, I finally decided to bring my car out. I'm finally, finally ready to bring my car out, you know. So, um, you know, about a month after we moved in, you know, I flew out to Vegas and, you know, I my friend Siobhan again drives cross country with me, you know, and I will never do that again. Um, 
it was fun going from Vegas and into Arizona and then into New Mexico. But once we hit Texas, I was like, oh my God, like driving from East Coast, West Coast to East Coast is about a 28 hour drive. And about 16 hours of that is fucking Texas, you know? And Texas is boring. It's just flat lands and cows. And you and it just it's just it's not my favorite place to be. Um, it just doesn't feel safe. You don't you don't know if you're gonna get pulled over and shot um at any moment. You don't know if you're gonna, you know, go to the to the gas and get shot. Like it's just, you know, it's just very nerve-wracking driving through Texas. Um so um but then once we got into same thing, you know, we went and got into um we went to New Orleans again. And no, I think this time we bypassed New Orleans and we went down to Florida to visit her mom. And then from Florida, we went to, again, to Mississippi to visit her brother. And then we, we came back up to um, Atlanta. And then again, my friend Siobhan, same person. You know, she stayed a couple of days and then she flew back to um, Vegas. But here's the funny thing about my car. And since we're talking about transparency, and this is also just important details of my journey um I ain't paid nan one car note since I lost my job in Vegas in 2012 so now we're talking about 2012 13 14 15 and 16 <laughs> so it is 2016 and I have not paid that car note in four years. Now, they, in the beginning, they used to, um, but I had already decided I wasn't giving the car back. <laughs> because if anything you guys will learn about me, I do what the fuck I want to do. And I know a lot of people hate me for it, you know, because they're just like, how could she be so bold and just so fearless and just do what she wants to do? The reason why is because I'm fully prepared to take whatever consequences that, that come from whatever, you know, results. So... I didn't have the money to pay my car note, um, but I didn't want to give it back. I needed my car. Um, when I was in Vegas, they used to come to the house to look for it. And I would, you know, it was a bunch of us living. That was the benefit of living in that communal house was the fact that there were so many of us that they never knew who to look for. <laughs> and then my roommates, that's the one they did do is they would vouch for me. But the crazy thing is when they would come, I would just happen to never be there, you know, when they would come. And then... I would always park my car like down the street and around the corner. So if they were driving around the neighborhood, they couldn't find it. You know, it was a 2010 Chevy or 2009 Chevy, something like that. Um, Chevy Cobalt. I love that car. Chevys are great cars. Um, so then and one time they even went to my mom's house looking for me and I wasn't even there yet. You know, my mom caught me freaking out. And, you know, so they, they went looking at my old house in Vegas a few times. They went looking at my mom's and they just weren't looking anymore. So then from then on, the house was the places where the car was at Siobhan's house. So because she had the car and, you know, Siobhan is a very intelligent um, person who's very good at um, creating documents. <laughs> um, she's a hacker. I'll just say that. Siobhan is a computer genius that can make anything and get into anything. Um, and so what Siobhan would do is that she created, um, she basically found a way to create some things to where um, if she got stopped, then the police wouldn't question the registration. I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> so... You know, because I couldn't get the car registered because I didn't have insurance 
And if I was to get insurance, it would tip off the um, car creditor, you know. So I did. Yes, the fuck I did. I drove that unregistered car from fucking Vegas to Atlanta, across the state. Yes, I did. I took my car across that. Yes, that was my car. And, you know, knowing I couldn't get it registered, knowing that I couldn't get it, um, <laughs> couldn't get it, um, insured. I did that. I did that because I needed my car. Um, so that was that. Um, I remember too, the funny thing about it was one time they did call me asking about the car and I told them straight up that they had already repossessed it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, you guys took that car a long time ago. And they were, cause you, I know the system, um, car tow companies, um, what is it? They call it recovery companies. They don't really communicate with the dealerships or the, and it's really the creditor. It's not even the dealership. Cause once the dealership sells you the car, their hands are out of it. And it's the, the, um, whoever is the car loan company that you deal with until you pay your car off or until they repossess it or until you trade it in. So there's all these lines of communication that get missed. So, um, you know, I told them, I said, Oh yeah. I said, your, your tow people, they took that car a long time ago. And they were like, and I knew they couldn't check it because my credit was locked. So they couldn't check to see if um, it was showing up as a repossession. And um, so they were like, oh, you know, does it show up as a repossession? I said, yeah, it does. You know, because I knew they couldn't check it. And they never, they were so confused. I said, well, you know, you need to handle that with your, your tow people because if they, if they repossess the car and they didn't document that for you, then that, that's on y'all. That's, that sounds like a problem. <laughs> and they believed me and they got off the phone with me. And I never heard from them again. You know, I never heard from them again. So that is how I was able to get my car out here, you know, and, you know, I, I say that because I'm not proud of my actions, but shit, I need to do what I needed to do. And I'm sharing this uh, so that way you guys can just understand, like, everything I've been through and everything that I've, you know, had to work through and just kind of make happen in order to get where I'm at. You know, I've had to do things that just weren't um, completely honest or ethical. <laughs> but, you know, that's life. That's fucking life. You know what I'm saying? And that's just real. So we are in the house. Um, we got our garden in the back. You know, we, we did a couple more classes at Darnita's spot, um, I got my car, I'm doing kicking ass with real estate, and things are good, right? Things are real good. Um, we're making connections, getting to know people, and, um, you know, still starts talking about how he wants to quit Sabananda. Um, because, you know, I'll tell y'all, you know, and those who who know him and who've known him since he was working there, he really loved working at Sabananda. Um, he put a lot of his heart and soul into that place, especially when he was in the wellness department. Um, but it became a toxic environment. You know, now we're looking into, you know, summer of 2000, well, about August, about August of 2016. Um, and it just became a, a, a place, you know, that, you know, it just was a lot of scandal. Gary, the old general manager before um, Aja, um, he was embezzling money um from the company um that started to come out and then just some other things that were going on 
um, things with upper management, you know, it just it was very stressful, very, very stressful environment for Shaman Hands to work in because he just wanted to help people with wellness, you know. So he was talking about quitting, quitting. And, you know, then he's like, you know, I think I want to go ahead and drive for Uber or Lyft, you know. And I was just like, well, I support that because it's very likely you'll make way more money doing that than you will you know, working, um, for seven out of the issue is you don't have a car. So he's just like, okay, well, you're not going to lease one, you know, through Uber or Lyft or whatever, and you know, get that going. So I told him I supported him. I was making a lot of money with real estate and I was like, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll pay our bills up, you know, from September all the way up, no October. Cause I think he quit the end of August. Um, and he was the main one um, putting in for the, he was paying the rent for the house. And then I was, I think he was doing the rent or doing the most of the rent. And then we were splitting some of the utilities. But um, my point with that is that, you know, he, you know, had, he quit and then he paid, I think, rent up to September. And then I went and I paid uh, October, November and December's rent up up front in advance because I was like, okay, well, you know, I have this money. And that's the thing when you work gigs or jobs where you make big sums of money um, inconsistently, when you get those big sums of money, you pay all your bills up front as far in advance as you can until anticipation of getting your next check. That's how you do that. That's the responsible way to manage your money when your money's not consistent. So that's what I did, you know, paid the bills up through the end of the year. And then I was like, that should give enough time for you to get on this Uber thing. And then, you know, we can go into 2017, you know, um, with just some new new energy and some new shit. So around this time, um, two very, very significant situations occur that completely change everything. Right. So um, in one of my basically at the time, I ended up channeling Kali Ma. Um, which now it makes sense because I learned later, like a couple years later, that Kali Ma is actually a part of my spiritual court. Um, she's a spirit that I inherited from my father's side. Um, and so, but I didn't know that at the time because I wasn't, I didn't know nothing about spiritual courts or nothing. I just knew that I was a medium and I was just channeling these spirits. Well, Kali Ma comes um, and she basically, and y'all won't get into the whole details of it because for those who've been following since then, you pretty much know um, or you can go look at old YouTube videos where I kind of discuss it. Um, but basically Kali Ma comes to us and she says that she wants us to, um, or specifically the first time she comes, she wants Shaman Hands to announce to the world, um, about, um, Yao Morris. So Yao is a very well-known, um, um tantric teacher in the a black tantric teacher because there's not too many of them you know in the community um he's very well known for teaching like grand trine is his is his thing I, it's so funny i haven't even talked about yao in a very long time because the whole situation was just so distasteful um but what it was was to break it down to a simplest form yao morris was a, it was and is a sexual predator um i ha- i haven't heard anything about him lately or at least in the last few years um, because once everything went down, we definitely fell out of the, that cipher to even get wind of anything. Um, but Yao was um, basically um, raping his clients. I'm just going to say that. 
Um, I say that boldly because there were accounts where victims have come forward to us and told us that. But no one ever wanted to say it to him or like accuse him. I mean, first of all, everyone knew that Yao was a creep. <laughs> Nobody ever really wanted to say it, but everybody knew that he was a, a creep. I met him one time when me and um, Yasmeen, back when we were doing our events, um, he came, he had a woman with him um, who was very, it was very odd, just the whole dynamic, you know, almost like a dom-sub kind of situation where he was the dom and she was the sub and she was just waiting on him hand and foot and he was just very dismissive of her and, you know, it was just a very weird dynamic even back then when I met him that one time, um, but I wasn't very impressed by him, you know, um, so now we're here a couple years later and we're just getting um, direct information that he's raping his his clients. You know, basically what he would do is, you know, he would put people into through energy work, put them into a, a, a um, state where they would leave their bodies astrally, which is completely possible because I've done Reiki sessions where I've been able to get where some of my clients have left their bodies and astral traveled. It is a real thing. Um, but he would keep them out of their bodies and then he would um, have sex with them you know, while they're on the table without their consent. And the issue with that is that, um, you know, the issue with that is that, um, you know, pe people would say, well, it's Tantra and sex is a part of it. And so the women were never really allowed to come forward and really speak on it because people would just accuse them of not understanding what Tantra is about. But at the end of the day, regardless of what Tantra is or isn't about, as an ethical energy worker, you let you it, consent is a big thing. So if you are a tantric practitioner and you do have sex with your clients, there's nothing wrong with that. But discuss that before you put them on the table. There would be no discussions, you know. Um, and then, but I, and you know, there's there's been other, and this is like a common, and I'm getting upset because this is a common thing in the spiritual community here, especially in Atlanta, you know, with the tantric world and all of that, like people giving um, massages and then just going right into giving like a yoni massage without having getting permission from their client first. As a matter of fact, Robert Pugh was accused of that. He was well known for that, you know, which is the reason why he got outed a few years ago. Um, about you know his conduct um <laughs> and he was another weird one which is why i stopped going to the land trust for sweat lodges and things like that because just the energy was just like it was too predatory you know what i'm saying um and so um you know so yeah there were that that's a thing and because it's it's masks and this idea of sexual liberation sexual freedom sexual healing you know, then women are scared to speak out because, you know, not understanding that lack of consent is still lack of consent, you know. So there's there's no issue until you don't have a conversation with the prior is my point, you know. So, yeah, I was doing this, you know, and on top of, you know, conversations of him being exploitive, getting people to work for him, not paying them him being abusive and just even like when I used to be on his Facebook he was just a very immature you know a lot of things that he would teach and say um weren't very becoming of a so-called master or a teacher or elder it was just very childish and um, emotionally immature in my opinion uh, my observation so anyways Kali comes and she says out him 
And we're like, oh, so me and Shaman Hands had a whole conversation because we already knew what that implication would be if we did that. Um, you know, it would be a shitstorm. But, you know, we follow instruction from spirit and he does it. You know, he gets online and he calls Gal Morris out and it was a shitstorm that lasted at least two weeks. Like he put it out there, walked away, came back a few days later and it was like hundreds and hundreds of comments. Half the, and it was people were torn. Half the people were for it because they were just waiting for someone to say it. Um, the other half of it um, was that um, people knew but didn't want to admit it because they were so closely connected and tied to him. You know, so um, so you know, there's a lot of people that supported him and a lot of people that didn't. Um, and there's quite a few people I was surprised that didn't support him. Kair <laughs> didn't support him, um, as much as he claimed to be his brother. Um, and because, you know, he's, he's closely connected with, with Yao and also because Kair's predatory himself. So he didn't want to implicate himself or put himself out there. Um, Tassili, Tassili was very, um, hands off about it. You know, um, but that's because of her own certain dealings that she was in at the time, which I'm going to talk about her. Definitely going to talk about the illustrious Cecilie Mott. <laughs> um, but there was a lot of people, a lot of people in this grand trying class, a, a lot of people side conversation, you know, hit us up on, on Instagram, I mean, on Messenger, when I have conversations, some people, um, you know, like I know Jessica McMorris, um, you know, sister that I've been connected with for a while, um, you know, was was boisterous about things. But then, yeah, I think he started, yeah, hit her up and started threatening to put a curse on her. So that was the thing. Yeah, was a bully. You know what I'm saying? And, and he would threaten to curse people um, for speaking out against him. And so a lot of people that were boisterous in support in the beginning ended up backtracking because Yao contacted them and he got, and they got scared. So that is the first major instance that really turns things around for us in a lot of different ways. So, you know, shaman hands out Yao and, um, you know, a lot of people supported him in it and that, and then a lot of people didn't. But I know the main thing was that, you know, he took a lot of shit. He got took a lot of shit. Yao tried to come back and, you know, tarnish his, his reputation, you know, tarnish Shaman Hands' reputation. You know, he tried to drag him, um, accuse him of being jealous, and, you know, which is like Shaman Hands is in a completely different form of energy work than Yao. Um, so I don't even know, <laughs> like that's usually people's go-to when they get outed is they want to say, well, the person's talking shit because they're jealous. And it's like, no, I mean, it, you're a rapist. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just, you know, he, I really feel bad, felt bad for him at the time because, you know, he did what spirit led him to do and he, he just took a lot of shit for it. Um, <clears throat> so that was the first thing that happened. And then shortly after Kali comes and she comes to me and now she wants me to out Tiffany Janae. And so a lot of people who were following back me back then know this story. So, you know, um, Kali basically, and I already was knowing this because I started getting information from different people that worked with Tiffany Janae. Well, actually, no, that's not true. It happened. Okay. I was observing Tiffany, you know, in the groups and how she would interact with people. And, um, 
you know, there were certain things I noticed about her um, as far as her character being less than appealing, I guess is the word I can say. Um, and just the way that she would talk to people and the way that she would present herself and then just like her demeanor just was kind of like questionable. Um, and then Kali came and showed me or revealed to me that Tiffany was, um, had some unethical practices with her Yoni ex, which I already suspected because of just how they were censoring the information about the Yoni eggs and cancer. So I was already kind of red flagged to her but then it was like completely revealed so basically Kali mom wanted me to um just put out there that Tiffany Janae was using chaos magic in her eggs she basically was programming her yoni eggs um in order to get women under her control and and to be her and to follow her which made so much sense because really Tiffany Janae's platform was really kind of mediocre. You know, like as a businesswoman on the outside looking in, she wasn't really offering anything really um, new. You know, she wasn't presenting anything um, uh, dynamic or innovative. Um, even her her workshops and her and her um, retreats were kind of like just the typical women's retreats that everybody was doing at the time. The thing that Tiffany Janae had going for herself was her marketing. You know, her marketing was definitely on point. Definitely, definitely, definitely on point. And her connections, being connected to Queen Afua and, you know, her being able to get on some of these big tickets for interviews and, and, and panels and things like that was Tiffany Janae's... Um, you know, that was her, her gift. You know, that's what she, that's what her brand was based on, but not at the actual quality of her Yoni eggs or the quality of her services, not by any means. Um, so basically what was, it was told to me was that she was, um, you know, cause Tiffany Janae is a part of Yao's, uh, um, she's out of his camp. Um, and the, you know, and she's out of Juju Mama's camp. You know, I mentioned Carl and Kenya Stevens. They are known magicians. <laughs> like all of them in that group are known magicians. Very, very high level magic, magical skills. Very, especially when in forms of manipulation, glamour, um, and like domination work. Like that's what they do. So um, she was able to program these eggs and, and you know, get these women to pay Sixty, seventy, eighty dollars for eggs that really should have been twenty dollars, and you know people keep coming back to buy her products, and you know just even the way the women were um, interacting with her in um, the organic blood group, it was like a cult. It was definitely a cult-like energy. Um, but Tiffany Janae is not even a charismatic leader. She's not even the typical cult leader um, characteristic. So I already knew that whatever. Um, influences she had had to be exerted in the spiritual realm. I already knew that, you know. And then it gets confirmed. And then shortly after Kali comes to me, then all of a sudden people who work with her start coming to me out the blue. You know, um, one of her personal assistants um, came to me and told me all kinds of things. Um, things that could be corroborated with receipts, you know, because Kali coming to you and saying, this woman is cursing these eggs. Like, who, how many people are really going to believe it? But somebody, uh, ex-personal um, assistant coming and saying that she's buying eggs on Alibaba for 10 cents a pot and selling them for $80, that, that's, <laughs> that's, you can corroborate that. Um, 
so there was that. And then, you know, her former um, web designer came to me, you know. Um, so, yeah. So I ended up doing um, a few, I think maybe about two or three weeks after Shaman Hands did his on Yao. I did a post about Tiffany Janae and I, you know, me, my Mercury's in Virgo. So when I read somebody, I'm coming with bullet points and receipts. Point one, point two, point three. You know what I'm saying? Because again, I've been observing this woman over time, you know, and the difference between my situation with Tiffany and Shamahan's situation with Yao is that I never was really involved with Tiffany. I met her in person one time. Uh, it wasn't a bad like it wasn't an unpleasant experience but it wasn't the most welcoming or warm either you know I met Tiffany Janae at um one of Tassili's events over at um you know in the West End and um you know Shaman Hanger introduced me to her because he that like that was like his sister like he very close to Tiffany Janae he stayed with her when he first moved to Atlanta so he formally introduced me to Tiffany Janae and she didn't want to hug me and I didn't want to hug her either there was something about our energies that were repelling when we finally met in person, you know. Um, and I, you know, I was very gracious and I played it off. You know, I was just like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I got all the stuff in my hand. You know, I would hug you. Um, but I felt the resistance and the awkwardness um, with her. And, you know, and she she snarled at me. Now, <laughs> I'm kind of being a bitch when I say that. Um, I'm being a little petty. But no, for real, like, that's Tiffany's way of smiling. She snarls. Anybody who ever pays attention to her in pictures when she's smiling, it's never a smile. It's a snarl. So she, that her, it was her smile snarl. Um, and I just completely felt the energy. I was just like, ugh, you know. But it just I was like, well, you know, that was my only time meeting her. I wasn't offended. I was like, oh, it's just what it is, it is what it is. Shaman Hands noticed it, and he was just like oh that's weird but it wasn't like it wasn't anything like that I would have held a grudge over I didn't really think twice about it after um I just knew that that wasn't somebody that I would work with or really you know deal with outside of you know being in their group um you know and even when I would observe her in the organic blood group I just always found her to be silly you know, like, that's the thing. Tiffany Janae's from California, too. I'm from Cali. And, you know, there's a certain thing that, you know, like, in Cali, we call women like her basic bitches. You know, like, those... Tiffany Janae's the type of girl that we would bully in high school for being just basic and silly. Um, her posts just lack depth. Um, I just find her posts to be silly and just kind of a bit childish, um, no real substance. But it's not like a personal thing. I'm saying this with, I'm just saying this is my for real observation of Tiffany Janae. Um, but we're not in the same field. I don't sell Yoni eggs. You know, there was another um, um, Yoni egg person who, um, you know, tried to kind of out Tiffany. And, the, you know, her issue was that she sells Yoni eggs too. So everybody just accused her of being jealous and trying to mess up Tiffany's business because she, you know, was her competitor. I don't sell Yoni eggs. So nobody could ever say that about me when I outed Tiffany. Um, so what happened was I did a post um, on Facebook, a written post. Somebody reported it and it got deleted. So... Um, what I did was I did a live, I think, on Facebook. Yeah, I did a live. I did a live because I'm like, you're not about to censor me. 
So I did a live on Facebook and not only did I do a live, but I downloaded the videos and I uploaded them to YouTube because again, that's what I do. If I can't put something on a platform, I fucking create my own. And really, they were better off just letting that that post be up on Facebook. Because if it had stayed up just on Facebook, that would have been it. And the only people that would have been able to find it were people who were already friends. Like, you know what I'm saying? But now they done fucked up and they censored my post and it got deleted. So I'm doing a video. <laughs> and not only is that video up on Facebook, but that fi- that video is up on YouTube. And let me tell you, when I dropped that shit... Yo, that completely fucked Tiffany Janae's shit up. Let me tell you, um, that shit is the second most watched video on my YouTube besides the only egg video that I did. When you Google Tiffany Janae, that video is the first one that shows up on, on videos. Um, I think it's the truth about organic blood. <laughs> um, and, um... You know, and then so many women hit me up about that. So on one sense, you know, when Shaman Hands exposed Gal, you know, nobody really wanted to support him fully. You know, he didn't really get a whole lot of love for that. But see, people are different with when it comes to rapists than like people cape for rapists. I'm just going to say that people, especially in, in black communities and in, 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 in spiritual communities, you know, people will brush sexual abuse under the rug. They're more likely to do that. But a lot of women already didn't like Tiffany Janae. And a lot of women were already feeling a way about her and feeling like she wasn't right. But they were scared of her. So nobody wanted to say anything until I said something. Um, so I put it out there and I had so many women hit me up. Like, I still get emails when people find that video on YouTube. I still this day get emails, people thanking me, women talking about, okay, I knew something was up. I got the eggs, never wanted to use them. Um, but I just, I laid everything out and I won't go into full detail because there's the videos on YouTube, you know, where I talk about everything. But, you know, essentially what ended up happening was, (laughs) um, Tiffany, um, you know, it was out on YouTube and it was on my, on my Facebook videos. So nobody could, at that point they couldn't, it couldn't get it deleted. Um, she tried to send me an email pretending to be a lawyer, talking, trying to send me a cease and desist, talking about it. I was slandering. And I, I was like, well, there's no slander because I have actual receipts about everything that I'm talking about. Um, and so after that, you know, I got nothing else from Tiffany Janae. But really what it was was, you know, I wasn't afraid of her. You know, a lot of other people were afraid of her. Um, and I get it because Tiffany, she's, um, and she can be an intimidating energy. Um, she goes into a space and Tending to dominate it and the and everybody in it, so that's her energy, you know. Very masculine in that regard, very energetically aggressive in that regard. Um, so a lot of women just were afraid of that, you know, and they didn't want to speak out. But let me tell you, her organic blood. A lot of women left that group. Her, um, you know, her. A lot of women stopped buying her from her. A lot of people, um, her own web designer, just left her. Um, out, out, you know, like, so the organic blood group fell apart. It just created a whole mutiny. It was just like one of those, like, one domino and then they all fell over because everybody was tired of her anyway, just to be honest, you know. And so all I know is that the what the fallout was that, you know, she ended up leaving Atlanta. 
um and um moving to hawaii she ended up getting a divorce because a lot of people don't know tiffany janae and her ex-husband had an abuse she was abusive to him <laughs> you know she wasn't she was not this the person you know the relationship that she portrayed online was not the case because i'll tell you two things one People were coming to me and saying how she would yell at him and physically attack him. And then I would dream about, I dreamt of them, you know, all their shit just there. You know what I'm saying? So they end up getting a divorce. She leaves Atlanta. She's in Hawaii now. Now she's got to rebrand because um, organic, organic blood is, um, hold on. I'm cooking too and I got to turn these greens off. <laughs> hold up. So they don't burn. Um, hold on, let me check. Oh, okay, this is good. Y'all, I'm cooking while I'm talking. Um, so Organic Blood is a business that they both started um, while they were married. And I think the name came from her husband. It's his, the, the brand is his brand. So when they divorced, um, she had to leave Organic Blood and... Um, start a whole new name for her her yoni eggs i noticed that after all of that went down she she lowered the price of her eggs um she changed up her her website she um then she got certified as a crystal expert because that was my main thing i'm like how you got somebody selling crystal yoni eggs and they don't know shit about crystals you know everything that she would tout on instagram or facebook it would be from like the crystal bible which i know because i fucking have the crystal bible and i've read it you know so you're giving textbook um definitions of these crystals and you don't know shit about them you know which is the reason why she was you know um just anyways <laughs> long story short um yeah that that outing that outing of tiffany and janae really did fuck her shit up and um and i i didn't really feel any way about it because i didn't i don't have no skin in the game it was just doing what was right because this girl was out here fucking up women's wombs you're supposed to be a womb advocate and you fucking up women's wombs you know intentionally just so you can make money selling yoni eggs you know that you're getting for 10 cents a pop for 60 dollars. you know what i'm saying so, um, <laughs> that is what happened with, with Tiffany and Janae and Yao. However, what ended up happening is that they threw craft at me and stilts. So in retaliation, they cursed us. I know they did. Um, um, spirit told me and I, I dreamt it and, um, I know I can know exactly when they did it because then things started to shift for me in stilts drastically after, after this. So I will say this, you know, Yao Morris, um, Tiffany Janae and Kenya Stevens got together because, you know, Kenya was, um, well, Tiffany Janae was Kenya Stevens's protege and China Brooks. You know, a lot of what they know about high level magic, they learned from Kenya, Kenya, Kenya and Carl, mainly Kenya. Um, so she trained them and, you know, so it's almost like a, you know, kind of like a godparent type of relationship, you know, and so Tiffany and Janae declared war on me and Kenya got in on it. Um, and then Yao did, did too, you know, so collectively they threw craft at me and if they're listening, cause they made this may get back to them. Just let you know, I know you did. Yao Morris, Kenya Stevens and Tiffany Janae. I know for a fact that you guys, um, threw craft at me and shaman hands but guess what that shit got sent back so <laughs> um 
Anyways, that is what happened. And that is when me and Shaman Hand start to see a drastic downturn. And, um, you know, a lot of the good things that are happening for us at that time. So at this point, we're looking at about October of 2016. You know, we caused this whole shit storm. And then me and Shaman Hands lay low. <laughs> we lay low. Um... And at this point, something interesting happens. Um, as a result of me outing Tiffany Janae, Gigi uh, reaches out to me, um, uh, living aligned. She reaches out to me um, and basically connects me with um, this group of women that all have had dealings with Tiffany Janae on some level. Um, so there's this whole sisterhood, this whole sister group, it's a small group. Um, and it's Gigi. She adds myself to the group. Um, there is Miko, um, China Brooks and Raisa Rice. And there was, um, and Imani. Imani was another one um, that was in the group. Those are all the ones that I can remember being in that group. Um, and we get added to this group because, um, you know, we all just kind of, it was just kind of tail end of that, you know, the egg, you know, debacle. And it mainly was kind of to be support for China Brooks um, because China Brooks was kind of going through some things, you know, as a result of the whole Tiffany Janae thing. I guess she had had some bad dealings with Tiffany Janae. And because, you know, we were, you know, not on Team Tiffany Janae, uh, Gigi just felt like it was good for us all to just kind of create this group. Um, and actually, I'll honestly say it's been so long, oh, so long ago that I can't remember if this group really was centered on China Brooks or just China Brooks made it to be centered on her. But this is really my where I start to really kind of get to know and interact with China Brooks on a more personal level. Um, and I will tell you, out of everybody, like I end up having issues with literally every single body in this group except for Imani. Imani was the only normal one in this group right so uh, let me start with china <laughs> china brooks so you know on the outside looking in china brooks is this you know she's beautiful this dynamic powerhouse energy um you know she's she's uh you know just bold and dynamic and just this ball of light you know what I'm saying like you know like that's what she presents herself to be um and in the beginning like I was like yo like you know China is hella cool you know she she's she just says what she's got to say very you know direct you know sharpshooter um she gets shit done you know she can manifest the fuck out of something her magic is on point her message is on point, you know, at the time, you know, she's heavily into human design, you know, she's, you know, heavily into the Yoni eggs. And then China Brooks is all about this high level magic, you know, dealing with um, the the Hindu spirits, Ganesh and, um, you know, and uh, angels and archangels and ascended masters and quantum leaping and um you know violet flames and all these like you know advanced metaphysical principles so you know so we're in this group and um you know it's a lot of it's around conversations around just the whole tiffany janae thing the only egg thing um 
And then at some point, me and China kind of break off and we, we just kind of just start really kind of um, talking a lot. Um, and then it goes from that to China's wanting to partner, you know, with me and, and Shaman. So basically, you know, China was also about mastermind groups, which I'm totally cool. Mastermind groups, they work, you know, they're a, a system that a group system that holds you accountable and actually really helps you get your shit done. You know, so there has certain things that I was doing, certain things that Shaman Hands was doing and China Brooks was doing. And so she's like, hey, you know, let's dip off. Let's create this, this, um, you know, this, this mastermind group. And we're like, okay, cool. You know, so we start doing these mastermind meetings. We have our own, what you know, group chat, WhatsApp or group me. No, it was a group me. And, um... You know, and then we're just really starting to just kind of get to know with China and, you know, and, um, you know, we're, we're in this mastermind group. Also, at the same time, I, um, no, 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 this comes later. My book, I, you know, me starting to write my crystal book that comes, I think, the following year. Um, so basically what happens is, you know, I'm, 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 we're having regular conversations with China um, getting to know her, doing these mastermind groups. Now China wants, you know, I'm learning a lot about human design. You know, China kind of put me on to a lot of really cool concepts. I learned a lot from her. She learned a lot from us. You know, she didn't know anything about crystal grids. I introduced her to that. Um, you know, she, her sacred sexuality work is a little one-sided or limited because she didn't have a partner. And I'll be honest with y'all, you can do sacred sex, you can do sex magic, but you need a partner to, to really fully be able to pull it off. You know, you, there's things that you can do solo, but there's only so much that you can do without having a counterpart. And I'm not saying it has to be an opposite gender or anything like that. It's just, no, someone else there that can help manifest and circulate the, the sexual energy um, is needed when you're doing sex magic. So China knew a lot about it, but it was still limited because, you know, she she wasn't in a relationship. You know, she didn't have a regular partner that she was practicing with. Um, but she was just all about sacred sex, which was cool. We were, I was into that too. I mean, so pretty much all of us, you know, Raisa. Well, I can't really say Raisa. I got a story about her too. Um, but definitely um, Gigi definitely is into the sacred sex stuff, you know. So... Um, so let me tell y'all about China Brooks. Um, China Brooks is a lot of energy. She is, doesn't have herself put together as much as she presents herself to be. She is very insecure. She's a bully, really, honestly. Um, and she, um, very neurotic behaviors, a lot of ups and downs. She has a, a natural flight or fight response, meaning that you know, any inkling of anything that she feels is like uncomfortable for her or scary, she will just ghost, you know, which I mean, it's her right. You know, she can handle shit however she wants. Um, but I, I, I got to a point where I realized for her to preach as much as she preaches about, you know, um, accountability and just kind of dealing with your shit, like she would run from her shit. But China was a lot of energy. I would spend a lot of times on the phone with her talking her off the ledge, um, you know, counseling her, providing some sister support. Um, China Brooks was very draining, a very draining energy for me. Um, 
you know, for me and Shaman Hands, you know. So here we are and we're in this mastermind and, you know, we're starting to get things done, um, you know, through this mastermind. But then China Brooks wants to partner. She wants um, just to collectively do like a mastermind um, thing that we opened up to the public and then cultivate like culminating in like a retreat and some classes um, but here's the thing. China wanted us, me and Shaman Hands, to teach all the classes. Um, and then the only thing that she did was promote it. And then she gets most of the money. She didn't even want to even split. Again, another situation where somebody's wanting to bring me in or bring us in um, to um, make sense of their idea or manifest their idea, but then in a way that's exploitive, right? Because yes, China Brooks had a, her following was way bigger than ours. You know, China Brooks has been around for a while. Everybody knows who, well, mostly everybody. I don't know if she's even, I doubt she's relevant now, but at the time she was, you know, and, um, you know, she was, she was teaching, um, her biggest thing was sales. So, you know, selling with spirit was her main mastermind course that she taught. And let me tell you about even about that. Okay. What China Brooks did was she went, um, and she, um, took these sales classes. I'm talking spent five grand, 10 grand or whatever she spent. And she would teach the, she would learn, you know, take these, you know, sales courses high end where you're, um, getting um like these sales tactics courses where you would learn how to sell to people how to do calls how to you know seal the deal all the stuff and then um what she did was she packaged it into her own course and she was teaching it to people who were spiritual you know spiritual workers light workers you know coach so she basically was a coach teaching other people how to be coaches so that's what selling with spirit was it was just basically a um repackaging of these other courses these sales courses that she took and she was charging like a shit ton of money for these classes, like five grand, six grand for these like, you know, six week, eight week, you know, courses. OK, so, you know, China, she can she can sell. She can close a fucking deal. So her idea was that because she was coming in with this back sales background that she should take 70 percent of the the money made from from a joint venture because all we were doing was teaching the class. <laughs> I was just like. Yeah, but it takes just as much energy to teach a course, if not more than for you to sell it, you know. And so my 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 spirits was like, no, like, no, we're doing this 50 50. You know, if we're teaching the class and you're selling it, we're splitting it 50 50. And she f was resistant to it. But I put my foot down. You know, that's the thing about China Brooks. She was so used to people just giving in and giving her what she wants because that's she's a bully, you know, and people being intimidated by her or her to be able to seduce people into you know, giving her what she wants because she is, she does have that seductive energy. Um, but I wasn't having it because I'm like, I'm not about to, I need my coins too. You know, I'm not about, I've already had enough experiences with people, you know, trying to exploit me that I was just like, nah, mm -mm. We, we do this 50 50, we don't do it at all. Um, so she gave in reluctantly and we started, you know, getting things together to create this course. Okay. So in the middle of all this, um, you know, doing, you know, working one-on-one -on -one with China, me and Shaman Hands is our shit is falling apart. You know, like, for example, you know, he starts, you know, he quit Sevenanda. We were good up through the end of the year as far as bills and things. But 
Now there's all these delays with him getting on with Uber. You know, he's not hearing back from Uber. He's getting blockages with, you know, him getting the car. Um, And then I have all these real estate, you know, um, like all of these consulting um, things that fell apart. You know, all these. um, So there was a bunch of houses that the agency I was consulting was had for sale. And all of a sudden, all the all the deals fell through all every it was at least like three or four houses so I didn't get you know I yeah I got my my referral fee you know like my I got my uh um consulting fee but I didn't get my bonuses and so a lot of my money just like started falling apart and then I started having issues with my friend Siobhan and you know we'd never had problems before but now we're on the outs and so I don't even want to I don't even want to consult for her business any more so all these things start happening right and then other things that start happening so these were clear signs that I've that we've been cursed but at the time we didn't really realize it you know we didn't realize that that's what it was um you know so we just knew that all we started having all this bad luck I mean I had my my warnings from spirit but you know um it was my first time really dealing with spiritual warfare so I didn't know what to expect and a part of me didn't want to really believe it, you know, so I just really let that shit linger and it got worse. You know, then we started having bug problems, which, you know, I've said that in my um, spiritual warfare course that bugs, you know, especially blood sucking or, or parasitic type bugs um, are a clear indication of, of, of craft, especially if they come out of nowhere. So, you know, we, we've been in the apartment you know, for, I mean, the house for however many months, all of a sudden we're having a bed bug infestation um, out of nowhere. All of a sudden we're having a roach infestation out of nowhere. Um, No matter what we do, we can get rid of them. All of these, you know, were signs. We're having disturbing dreams, Um, you know, so all these things are happening, right? And so then January comes um, and we don't have rent. February rolls around. We're talking about 2017 at this point. We don't have rent, you know. So, um, but it was so crazy. So, what ended up happening was in this time, we're still dealing with China Brooks, right? And so, God, it's so crazy to tell this story because there's so much happening all at once. So, on one hand, there's China Brooks. The other hand, there's Miko. Now, Miko was another person that was in this group that was introduced to us by Gigi. Now, Miko, um, uh, you know, her, she was Tiffany Janae's former web designer. Okay. So she built the organic blood website and when, but Tiffany Janae wasn't paying her. Okay. Now, um, that's another thing. Tiffany Janae would get all these people to do work for her and she wouldn't pay them or she wouldn't want to, you know, she'd have some type of excuse not to pay them. So she wasn't paying Miko for managing her website. You know, she was making a shit ton of money. Um, so Miko was in a situation. Miko is in the United States. She's not a, um, she's not a resident. She's not legal. And, you know, she is in the States. Um, there's only so much she can do because she's not legal. And now she's doing all this work for someone who isn't paying her. So Gigi had it. Not only did she introduce her to the sister group, 
But she also presented it as, you know, can we, is there any work that you guys have for this woman? Because she's really just trying to get out of a dire situation. Well, at the time, and I I have to backtrack because this was around, you know, towards the fall time before we get into 2017, before me and still start having our our financial issues. Um, So, you know, I wanted to revamp my website. You know, because I had been building my website. And that's another thing people don't know about my journey. I do a lot of my own work. I've had to learn how to do so many things on my own because I either didn't have the money to pay people or I just couldn't trust people um, to do the work. So I up until then, I had been building and managing my own website, but I wanted to upgrade it. I wanted to make it more interactive. I wanted to make it more aesthetic. I, I'm not a web designer. You know what I'm saying? I just did what I had to do to get my shit done. Um, but I wanted to do like a full interactive, um, you know, uh, e-commerce, you know, shop shopping, you know, site and all of this. So um, I had budgeted a thousand dollars to get my but my website together and so I reached out to, I was like okay I'll work with Miko and um so I brought Miko in to um do my website and that's how me and her developed our relationship you know she she traveled down to Atlanta because she was up north I think she was in DC we have a sit down um to the place and um she was cool with me shaman hands didn't really like her you know she rubbed him the wrong way because, you know, she's from Trinidad or Barbados and, you know, Caribbean folks tend to be abrasive and um, a lot of times condescending towards African-Americans. Um, I, I've experienced enough of Caribbean folks to kind of to know that for a fact. Um, a lot of times they look down on us, um, but just real, just loud and in Aries. That's another thing in a Caribbean Aries. <laughs> You know, no shade to the Aries listening to this podcast, but um, I mean, I used to be married to one. I know how y'all are, you know, so, but, you know, so she kind of rubbed shaman hands the wrong way. I wasn't really bothered by her. She was cool with me, you know, definitely presented her, her craft well, and I felt comfortable enough to hire her to work with me. And I paid her that that, that was my budget, you know, a thousand dollars. And I think by the end of it, it was like nine something by the time she did all the work that she did. And she really did a beautiful job redoing my website. So now we're getting into January, February and, um, me and Shaman Hands are struggling, you know, financially. Um, and so, you know, the crazy thing about that is what saved us is a couple things. One, you know, since Miko did my website, me and her had been cool, you know, like we ended up developing like a personal relationship, especially because I started dreaming about her. She started being in, um, and in, in, uh, appearing in some of my dreams, um, as a guide. So that's another reason why I was so, um, comfortable with her because spirit was like, okay, you know, this person is, this person is here for a reason. And I remember she had given me a prosperity spell, you know, some, some prosperity thing with like, Psalm some 23 and a dollar and cinnamon and oil, you know, and some words. And um, I did the spell. And then maybe about a, a few days later, I ended up, you know, my friend hit me up, Siobhan, and um, was like, hey, did you check your PayPal? And I was like, no. She's like, check your PayPal. I sent you something. Y'all, when I checked that PayPal, I had $8,000 in my fucking PayPal from Siobhan. I don't know what she did. I cannot 
confirm or deny? Did she hack something? All I know is that I had eight grand and I was able to catch up on rent. <laughs> so that is what saved us in February. You know, I was able to catch up on back rent and the rent for February. So we, cause we were like literally in the process of getting evicted. Um, shaman hands we we still were trying to figure out his car you know the uber thing was taking way longer than we it was expected but then something else happened so it was like every time i had a win um it seemed like i had something else you know that would kind of mess me up you know so um we had that happen but then um what ended up happening was my website um my payment processing for my website got um flagged so I guess apparently, um, because what happened was I had Square. So I had been having Square for years. You know, I had started off taking my payments for readings and things through Square. Never had an issue. I think I had one guy who tried to dispute uh, his reading because um, he he was a scammer. Like he came, used the American Express card, you know, paid for his his reading and then tried to dispute it but we had text messages so I was able to prove you know the situation and then you know it it didn't it didn't pan out but either way like that was the only thing I've had with Square in the five years I've had Square I guess I didn't realize that when and Miko never explained this to me until after it happened but you know when you get a website there's certain algorithms that pop up and so what happened was Square ended up shutting down my account um and not allowing me to take credit card payments um, through for, through anything, really, especially my website, because I violated their policy. They were saying I sold occult materials um, because I was offering the Reiki and the readings and things or whatnot. So I couldn't use Square, which means like nobody could buy anything on my website. Nobody could book appointments on my website at the time. So my website was shut down for like two months, you know, um, and so... There was that. Now, then we get to the point where um, money's really tight. Now, we're still dealing with China Brooks at this time. And, um, you know, me and both me and Shaman Hands were like realizing like, okay, like China Brooks ain't it. Like she's a little neurotic and she's a narcissist. But we were trying to make the best of the situation, you know, with her because we really was trying to, you know, be cool with her and work with her. Um... So, you know, me and China Brooks, we were wanting to do this thing called like sacred sexuality called Sovereign Pussy, you know, um, which that was my idea. You know, that's the reason why after me and China Brooks parted ways, she she stopped using that hashtag because that was my shit, Sovereign Pussy, um, and just a whole movement of sexual liberation um, for women. So we did like a couple of videos about Sovereign Pussy, which I pulled down because I, after I, I disassociated from China, I didn't want to have, you know, anything to do with her. I even had to go and um, make an announcement publicly that I was no longer associated with her. That's how it really got. Um, but yeah, like, so there was all that going on with her. Um, so what ended up happening was um, China Brooks offered to put us in her selling with spirit course for um because we were we were about to get evicted again you know we were good through february we got caught up on things um and then april comes around march april comes around now at this time shaman hands finally gets on with uber and lived he finally gets the car but now he's playing catch up you know, because we were expecting that to have been handled by January, three months later. Now he's having to scramble. Plus, you know, anybody who's ever 
rented or leased the car through Uber in order to drive knows that it is predatory lending. You know, they 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 hike up. You know, you have to drive a certain amount of uh, make a certain amount of money a week and then they automatically take it out of your payments in order to, you know, satisfy the car payment. And then after that is when you actually get to make your money. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, he had a nice car. The first, it was two cars. The first one was a Toyota Camry, black. It was really nice. Um, but that shit was expensive. And then with the, the insurance, you know, so he was having to drive a lot just to make those payments, you know, and then, and then after that, then he got his money. Um, so there's that going on. So, you know, we're struggling again, you know, and then at this point I'm having to ask my mother for help. Um, this is around the time that I actually start to really experience, um, poverty in Atlanta for real, for real, you know, um, so, um, because even when I first got here, it, it wasn't the way it was when, when we were going through this, you know, in our house, the first house we were in, um, you know, and even then it was to be expected because I just got here, you know, so of course it's going to be a little struggle. Um, but it's during this time that we actually really start to experience very real financial hardship, you know? Um, so, but it was crazy because, you know, we, there would be a couple times where we would get the eviction notice and then something would work out and we would be able to make our payments and we would be good. But, you know, in the springtime of 2017, it was rough. And so, um, you know, China Brooks agreed, she just, you know, agreed to put us in her selling with spirit class so we can start, um, really monetizing our classes properly, um, and selling them, you know, um, and, you know, she, she, she offered it, but at the same, cause we didn't ask, but at the same time, she had a problem with it because we couldn't pay for it, you know, cause that's the thing about China Brooks. She very much was about money. Um, very much about what people can give her financially. That's just her energy, you know, and she actually attributes people's value to their money, to what they can, what, and not just their wealth, but how much of their wealth they're willing to give to her, real talk. Um, you know, but China Brooks is a hustler. You know, she was, you know, she would use her good skills to, you know, sell these $10,000 courses and these, you know, these, these $1,000 readings and, you know, whatever her overpriced shit she was, she was selling. Um, so, you know, she offers it and we're just like, okay, you know, we definitely don't have a problem, you know, being in the class, you know, she adds us to the course, we get the book, you know, we, she's, we, we were in on the, on the, the lessons and she starts training us in sales. Um, and we're fast learners. And it didn't take long for us to catch on and start selling our shit. Now, what I will say is that I, what I appreciate about what I learned from China Brooks during this time was I learned how to professionally, like, structure my courses. I, I Okay, how do I put this? I learned how to take a spiritual concepts and abstract things that people may not find tangible and structure them in a professional way and present them to people so that way they can um, be interested in them, you know? Um, so I learned how to, you know, create um, deliverables and how to word my marketing for my courses, um, you know, to, to where people... 
Um, I can show people what the value is. I can give them tangible list of this is what this course offers and this is what the deliverables are and this is what you will learn and you know so she really taught me how to make my R courses professional um especially in an you know in a in a, a field that's not you know spirituality is really not professional nobody really teaches spiritualists how to be professional you know um and so she taught us how to you organize and market our courses to people who may not even be into spiritual shit, just regular day-to-day folks who have never even heard of a tarot course or never even heard of spiritual coaching or never even heard of a chakra. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate her for that. Because once I was able to really hone in on that, it really transformed my courses. A lot of my courses now um, you know, are, are um, structured because of what I learned from China Brooks. Part of it is um, that the professional aspect and then two academics, because a lot of my courses, I teach them as though I'm, I'm teaching in a, in a college level course, you know, with syllabus and, um, you know, uh, you know, PowerPoints and resource and book, you know, book lists, re, you know, course books and things like that. So it's a combination of the two. But China books really changed the game for us, you know, with that. Um, and so, um, you know, so I do appreciate her for that. But the bitch was crazy. China Brooks was crazy. Anybody who's ever dealt with her, and I know quite a few people who have that are li- probably listening to this, she crazy. Very narcissistic, very um, self-centered, very neurotic, very, you know, honestly bipolar, definitely with some mental issues, not all the way to there. So it's so, you know, it's sad because she's really talented with with things, you know, but the the, the psychosis is, is there, <laughs> you know, like she's not all there psych, psych, psychologically, you know. Um, so what ended up happening was, um, you know, we learn and um, from her, I create a couple of things. The first thing I create is um, a coaching class where I basically, um, it's like a, I don't know, like a four-week program where I um, teach people how to, like, I basically get with the client, learn what their goals are, and then I, it's a, a certain program where I basically walk them through their goals. And then each week is something new that they learn and some new new skill that they apply in order to kind of pull themselves out of certain behaviors so they can actually accomplish what they want to accomplish. So I create this this coaching class and I sell it and I get hit. And that's how we were able to get through the springtime. You know, um, still sold a, something to his own father um, for a couple thousand. And I was able to get a, quite a few people enrolled um, in my coaching class that I just made off the fly. You know, because I was already doing spiritual, you know, work and guidance for people. So it's like, well, no, how about I make this more formal? And so this is when things get get go left with China Brooks. Um, because... We're doing great. You know, we're telling her about our wins. And we actually got caught up on everything to the point where we were actually in the position to start paying her for the courses that we were in. Um, but then China decides, all right, y'all, my bad. I'm, I went from, uh, that's my food. Hold up. <laughs> Let me go uh, put y'all on pause while I go check on this. Hey, my food is settled. Everything is good with the food in the kitchen. All right, so... um. So things are looking up finally, you know, now we're getting into about May or so of um, April or May. Um, And 
So a couple things that are going on is that, um, you know, I talked to Miko about my website and she's like, okay, well, I know you're having issues with Square, um, but what we can do is, you know, we can incorporate Stripe and they're another payment processing company. They don't really have the same um, uh, restrictions as, as Square. She's like, but, you know, it'll cost three something, whatever for me, 350, I think she said for me to to integrate Stripe into your your website. I didn't have the money because my, my my website wasn't making money. Um so I didn't have the extra 350. I mean, we were starting to get money in, but we we were, all of it was pretty much going to catch up on all the things that we needed to catch up on financially. So, you know, then Miko comes and she visits um us. Um she comes back down cuz she's thinking about moving down to Atlanta. So she comes and she visits in um, the spring and then she just decides to just go ahead and integrate the Stripe and then just have me and bill me. Just pay me when you can. I'm like, okay, cool. So she does that and my site's back up and running, but it just never had the same momentum that it had, you know, when it first got relaunched because it just wasn't working. People couldn't book stuff. So it just kind of lost its trajectory, you know, so that was a disappointment with me with the website. Um, so there's that going on. In the meantime, we're dealing with, again, still with China Brooks and things are going great. Supposedly, you know, for us, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the, the, the coaching in her class, but then China ghosts us, you know, she ghosts us like she, cause we were doing the mastermind meetings. We were in the WhatsApp and she just goes radio silent, you know? Um, so we don't hear from her for like a week, which was so crazy because it went from us literally talking with her almost every day or all day to her just ghosting, which I'm like, okay, you know, spiritual people tend to do that. You know, they need to do some self care and not everything requires an explanation. I don't really acquire explanations from people. Um, I just flow with whatever. So she's go, she goes, we don't hear from her for a week or two. And then all of a sudden, um, I get a message from her on Facebook and it's the scripted fucking message, basically telling me that she's kicked me and still out of her selling with spirit class because basically it's not working for her and we haven't paid her. Like, you know, the, the energetic exchange isn't working and I need to be paid. And I just was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. You know, um, First of all, I'm like, you offered to put us in the class. Second of all, we told you that we would pay you. And we actually were literally in the position of to, to start to paying her. Um, and so, I, and this is something I've learned because I have other stories of this where people jump the gun and they fuck up their own blessings. You know, like we, she, we could have made so much money as a collective, um, but China Brooks is greedy and she's impatient and she's short-sighted, you know? So, and she really just doesn't value people unless they have money for her, for her, not just money, but money to give her. So I was hurt because I was just like, yo, like, where is this coming from? And are you serious? And then the fact that she gave this scripted response and, um, then when I responded, she gave another scripted response. So I, I read China Brooks for filth. I did. I um, read her like a like a like a seer, like an oracle, and I basically told her her future. And I was like, you know, first of all, 
we're way past scripted responses. You know, we've gotten way too much of an, an energetic, intimate space for you to be this distant. But since you want to be distant, this is what I see. And I basically told her that unless she, she will always struggle financially, she will always be um, poor so long until she learns how to cultivate relationships with people. I mean, I think that's not all I said, but that's the gist of what I said. And um, she blocked me. She blocked me, kicked us out, blocked me. And since we're so shocked, we were like, what the hell? It was so left field, you know? So here we are. And, um, you know, now we're getting into the summer, you know, like May or whatever. Um, and, um, you know, things are getting a little bit better, but they're still not completely on track. Um, and I... You know, out of all of that, um, I was in the process of, um, well, I did two things. One, in addition to my coaching course that I created, um, that's where I did my first, um, I started my first tarot course. That So, um, Language of Tarot actually was initiated back then, um, in 2017, and I had a couple students. Um, shout out to Moret. Moret was one of the first students of my tarot course. Um, and so, um, you know, there was that, um, and then I started writing a course on, I started to create a course on crystal medicine. And, um, that was also out of just the whole China Brooks training. Um, and as far as just like, you know, creating something, you know, out of what I know, as far as like my discipline, but I started realizing, you know, I was doing this handbook. I was trying to write this handbook for the course. And I was having a hard time because it was so much information. And the shaman hands, you know, he's sitting there and he's watching me struggle with this. And he's just like, well, why don't you just write a book? <laughs> and I was just like, huh? Write a book on crystals? He's like, yeah, why not? You're already doing it. And I was like, you know what? You're kind of right. So that's how I started the outline for the Complete Guide to Crystal Medicine. It started in 2017 where we were still living in Spring Garden. That was the at you know, the street, the house we were, the first house we were on. I started writing the outline then. That's where the that's the seed for the Complete Guide to Crystal Medicine. So as you can see, so much was going on then at that particular transition, and I still have more to share. You know about what went on before we left that particular house, um, but. You know, looking back, when I reflect on the, the China Brooks thing, um, I realized that she was just jealous. You know, she was jealous because, you know, here you have these two, quote unquote, hippie, woo woo, spiritual people <clears throat> who were getting these, you know, learning these sales and we were beasting them. You know, we were doing better with sales than China was. It was just a little bit of information she was starting to teach us. And I think she just felt jealous and she felt intimidated. Um, that was, the, I feel, the real reason why she 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 acted the way that she acted. Um, and even down to just the hardships that we experienced as a result of, you know, what we did as far as outing Tiffany, Janae, and Yao. It's twofold. You know, I feel like we, I don't regret it. I will never regret that. Um, I just feel like we could have went about it differently in the sense that we we were following spirits. I will never regret following spirit, but we did so naively and without proper protection. 
you know, we weren't prepared for the fallout or the spiritual warfare that that was that ensued. Um, so I would looking back, would I do it again? Yes. But I would make sure that I had my protections in place prior to um, engaging in that way. Um but the other aspect of it, too, was like, yeah, you know, a lot of it was us being cursed and witchcraft being thrown at us. But the other part of it was me and Shamanans weren't, we were making some kind of reckless decisions. We weren't the most responsible either. So it was a combination of our own poor decisions in addition to actual outside influences affecting our stability and our prosperity. So I'll openly say that because I don't ever want anyone to believe that all your problems are the result of because somebody is cursing you. No. Mm -mm. If something is manifesting in your life that way, there's already some weaknesses going on in your life, <laughs> you know, um, that are even allowing that, that energy to touch you, you know? So you got to make sure you got your own defenses in place. Okay. Um, so now we're getting into the summer and somehow, you know, we're good enough to renew our lease, you know? So we're looking at, um, you know, we, we renewed the lease of the summer of 2017. We've been in the house for a year. Um, and now Miko's around more, you know. So Miko came down a couple times. One, um, and she stayed with us for, you know, maybe about a month or so. Um, now, it's an odd situation because Miko had wanted to move to Atlanta, like I mentioned. Um, coming down from D.C., her whole goal was to get herself together so she can bring her son out from the islands. You know, bring her son because she was here and he was in Barbados. And she, you know, was separate from him but so she was trying to get her citizenship and just get things certain things in place because he was staying with her mother and um so I was totally sympathetic to her situation so she comes down to Atlanta she's staying with her niece um you know her niece is in college and had roommates and it just wasn't a situation that she could really be in comfortably so then she goes and she moves with somebody else that doesn't work out and then she moves in with Tosili um and this is back when Tosili had her house it was over there in Cascade really big ass house she had quite a few girls living with her um so some acquaintances work it out to where Miko you know Tosili agrees to take Miko in and that was also a train wreck because Tosili is her own kind of problem and Miko is her own kind of problem and they just clashed you know so Miko ends up you know again out and so then she just I let her just stay with us the first time you know um now Miko at the also at the time is preparing for an initiation um into like this Mami Wata um secret, uh, secret society um which I'll be honest with you it's questionable because from okay I'm gonna be honest I don't know a lot about Mami Wata cults but what I the little bit that I do know any legitimate Mami Wata cult is in Africa in West Africa specifically um, from what I know, okay, which isn't much, but I'm just speaking on the, the little bit of knowledge that I have. And they they initiate in West Africa, like Ghana and such, Benin, um, etc. So there was a woman who was a, this comedic water priestess in north um and then up north and in, in, in uh I wanna say she's in New York somewhere, Jersey somewhere. She's connected to Miko through Miko's father, who was also a comedic priest, and Miko wants to get initiated. You know, she's to get initiated. So she's preparing for this initiation. Um, so, um, you know, so she goes, you know, and I didn't think anything of it at the time. 
Um, and then at the same time, too, Miko is also coaching me through my own ATR stuff because I, I started learning more about African traditional religions through Miko because she was the first person I met who was actively practicing. Um, she wasn't initiating anything, but she had her issue, her hand at Ifa, all of that. So I was learning a lot from, from Miko. Um, and she was also helping me sort through my dreams. So Miko goes up, gets her initiation, comes back, and then, um, you know, and then she goes, I guess she leaves and goes back up to D.C. for a bit. Or goes to Asheville. That's what it is. She goes to Asheville. Um... So then that's Miko. You know, that's the situation with her friend for now. <laughs> for now. So now we're looking at the summertime. I want to say like July, August time. And then I think around this time, Shaman Hands comes to me and he's got this idea. He wants to do Sunday service. A thing called Sunday service where people come to the house on Sundays and he teaches about different metaphysical stuff and we do meditation and yoga and we feed them and it's a whole like church service for people who are not in church and I am not for it I'm like I don't know these people they're coming to our house for what what do you mean what are you talking about um I was not with it at first um but it was something he really wanted and I wanted to be supportive I, but I just was not feeling a bunch of strangers up in my space like that. You know, I'm still like that. I'm funny acting about people coming up in my house. Okay. So, but you know, I'm the supportive, you know, partner, you know. And so I'm like, okay, how can we make this work? Um, and in addition to that, you know, he is, so it's like his ideas and things are budding too in this space. Right. So this Sunday service that we start that's where Sunday service started and a lot of you guys who follow us now were were following us from Sunday service when we used to have it at our house um the first one and the one we ended up transitioning to after we left this one um so the Sunday service um and then Shaman Hens gets the idea for physics because he really loves vending and he learned a lot of stuff when he was working with um Sevenanda in the wellness department, he developed a lot of relationships with their vendors, you know, um, name, first name basis, phone to personal cell phone number basis with these different vendors that bring products into Sevenanda. And he really wanted to have like his own thing. So that is also where he births physics, which is his own metaphysical store where he's selling candles and incense and, you know, that type of stuff. Right. So he's doing that, and I'm slinging the crystals, okay? And then we're doing Sunday service. So we start Sunday service, and, um, you know, it, it it's it's amazing. I honestly don't even know where these people were coming from. Like, we were, we were, you know, advertising on social media, but we didn't really have a huge social media following like that, you know? So... You know, in the beginning, it was it was beautiful. You know, um, people would come. It was Sunday. I don't even remember. It would start at like 10 o'clock or something like that, 11. And it would be like the first hour would be like yoga, meditation. And the second hour would be him teaching. And he'd get this whiteboard out and it'd be like subjects. So one week it'd be chakras. Next week it'd be sound therapy. The other week it'd be, you know, moon uh, cycle manifestation. Like it was all these things and we were just and then I would cook you know feed people at the end you know like church you know you get your plate and then we would take donations you know we would just take donations for it and um because for me I wanted to incorporate the whole energy of um um Donna which is a Buddhist concept um of generosity 
you know, where you would give off, you would give um, service or knowledge and then people would just donate, you know, if they if the information benefited them. So it was actually, you know, a beautiful thing, Sunday service. Um, but that's how, you know, it came came about um, was from Shaman Hands. So we're doing Sunday service. Um, at this point, Miko comes back from Asheville um, because now she's wanting to move to Atlanta permanently, like for real, for real. And um, so this is how she did this. This is the funny thing. So Miko comes and she's like, you know, I, I'm going to stay with a friend of mine, but she's out of town um, for about a week or so. So can I stay with you guys until she comes back? And I was like, OK, cool. You know, because she'd been with us before. Now, mind you, you know, Miko will be getting on Shaman Hand's nerves, um, but I'm still unbothered by her, you know. Um, and I do applaud him for him um, indulging me and letting her stay and be around. Um, but I know it was hard for him to have her in, in our space. Um, so I go ahead, you know, I let her sleep in the extra room, you know, and she's here at the house. So, you know, weekend or whatever, and then uh, two weeks in, and then she comes to me. She basically was saying how her friend um, just decided out of the blue that she just wasn't comfortable with Miko living with her. And at the end of the day, well, a couple things. One, if that was really the case, I should have noticed the pattern of Miko getting kicked out of places. You know what I'm saying? Because that definitely was a pattern at the time. The other thing was, I back looking looking back, I don't think she ever really had a friend that she was going to stay with. I think that was her way of trying to, you know, finesse her way into living with us. Because, of course, you know, I'm generous with like I'm I'm generous with my home. You know, like I don't I know what it's like to be to not have a stable living situation. If I know you and I'm cool with you, I'm not going to let you be homeless. And now that's changed now. You know, Risha came in and shut that all the way down. Like, I can't have nobody living with me now unless it's my partner or my kids. Um, but back then, um, you know, I was I was definitely always open to, you know, extending my, my home to people in need. Um, so... Um, but yeah, I, I think that she just didn't, I think she finessed. I think that she never had a, a friend that she was going to stay with. I feel like she just was like, well, if I get in there and I say that I can't stay with the person, they'll just let me just stay with them. You know, and that's exactly what happened. I was like, I went to Shaman Hands and I was just like, you know, this is the situation. Are you cool with her staying here? And he's just like, well, not really. But at the same time, you know, I see that it's important to you. And, you know, uh, you know, as long as we can put some boundaries and some rules. Okay, cool, cool. So I let her stay with us, you know. So now we're getting into like, you know, July-ish. Um, and then at the same time, too, then we have another person coming around, which is Katrina. You know, Olo, which I mentioned previously. She starts to be more prominent in the story. She starts coming around to Sunday service. Um, she starts wanting me to teach her, like she gets a couple readings, tarot readings for me. She wants me to start teaching her tarot. You know, she's coming around and she's, you know, wanting to learn a lot of things for me. And now let me talk about my first initial dealings with, with Olo. Um, she was cool with me. Like I, um, you know, I just kind of chalked her off to being a little young and just super like, a new spiritualist because everything was like grand risings and you know infinite blessings and you know all that like you know like black conscious woo woo talk 
Um, but you know, she, she had her thing, you know, shine. Um, she, you know, was into psychology. I guess that's what she got her major from a major in. She graduated from Spelman, you know, for her to be so young, she has her shit, you know, shit together. Like I was, you know, very impressed by just her, you know, where she was at, um, spiritually, she had a a vision, a movement that she was getting together, retreats that she was doing. Um, and you know, I liked her platform on self-care. You know, that's one thing. And that's the thing, like, as much as I talk about all these falling outs that I've had with a lot of these spiritual people, I every one of them I've learned something from. And what I learned from Katrina is to stay hydrated because that bitch stay drinking some damn water and some juices. Um, And just overall self-care, slowing down. You know, she was very much about, you know, slowing down, easing into the body and being present to the body, which at that point, I kind of lost a lot of that because I've been hustling so much, you know. Um... So it was around that time that I started um, training in Capoeira, you know, and, and which I would tack, you know, with Ona Hawk's partner, which I love that. I still train to this day. You know, I, I, um, I you know, I haven't been in a while, but, <laughs> you know, it's definitely a discipline that I really um, got into, you know, as a result of being inspired by Katrina's um, focus on just self-care and being present. Um, you know, she was vegan, she was doing this juicing thing. Um, and that's the one thing I, that, you know, about Katrina, I noticed is that she's a Scorpio. So she's very intense as all Scorpios are, but then also the extremes, you know, one from swinging from one extreme to the other, cause that's the nature of Scorpios. Um, so yeah, you know, like I was open to her, you know, willing to teach cause that's me, you know, I'm a, and I teach people. So when people come to me and they want knowledge, like, you know, um, I'm not as, uh, I mean, I'm always going to be generous with knowledge, but I'm not as free with it as I used to be. You know, I definitely discern people now. But back then, you know, it was, hey, you know, you come in, you knock on the door, you know what you want to know. So um, I started really getting Katrina into ancestor reverence, you know, um, and the reading of the cards. She wanted to learn more about chakras and, you know, astrology from shaman hands. Um, so that's Katrina. That's when she starts to kind of really make a, a, a real strong presence around. Okay. Um, so in the meantime, then things start going downhill again, you know, because money, um, shaman hands ended up because he couldn't maintain the lease from, um, Uber, the, the, one of the cars, his first car gets taken. Now we're back to square one with him and his money. Um, the, we, you know, I'm definitely not making money with real estate right now. Um, oh, I had a situation. This was another thing. I had a situation where I went to Cascade to collect some river water and I lost my car keys. You know, it was my lesson in collecting from a space without giving an offering. You know, that was when I still was learning more about working with nature spirits and etc. So I took without giving and so they took my car keys. Um <laughs> so I ended up having to get the car towed from the cascade back to our house and then it just I just it just wasn't I didn't have a car. So Shaman Hand's car was out of commission. Um you know I mean my car was out of commission Shaman Hand's car was gone. Now we're not making money, you know Sunday service is definitely not paying bills and now we're not being able to pay our rent again. Um 
also in the meantime, I end up, you know, going to Vegas. Um, I can't remember what I went to Vegas for. I was going there regularly. Um, not regularly, but at least, you know, every four to six months or so. Um, and I can't remember what that last visit was about at the time, but, um, I remember talking to Brandy, my best friend about my dreams and just everything that's going on. And she's just like, I think you need a reading from my elder. And I was just like, okay, you know, cause at this point I'm at my wits and I need, I don't know what's going on, you know? So she t- calls up her elder Juan, um, you know, who's a Lukumi priest, and she takes me over there. You know, he's like, you know, I got this time to do this reading, blah, blah, blah. So I go, I pay the derecho, which at the time I think it was like 40 bucks or something. And he takes me back, you know, to his santo room. And he reads me. <laughs> it was my first time ever getting a Dilogun reading. And when I tell people, no one ever prepares you for your first Dilogun reading. They, you, your whole shit. Like, let me tell you, this man didn't even, all he did was ask me for my name. He didn't ask me nothing else about myself. And this man told me things about myself that I never even told other people. I was in that room shooketh. That man had me crying by the end of this fucking reading. <laughs> And that is the first introduction to the man that became my padrino, that became my my elder in in Ocha. Um, And, and, you know, so I was like, and it was so crazy because I go there and, you know, because I'm having all these dreams that I don't understand. And I'm finding out later there was, you know, dreams of Shango and Alegua and, you know, these other muertos and things like that. And, you know, at the time I didn't know shit about shit, you know. So I go to this priest, I get this reading and I'm like, what the fuck, yo? Like, I was not ready. Brandy did not prepare me. And now I got my whole life exposed in front of this man that I just met. And I'm fucking shooketh, right? And, um... You know, it is so funny because, you know, I love my Padrino to death. You know, I love that man. Um, you know, and even when I went to the house, it was so unassuming. You know, like you have these all these preconceived notions of what a a priest house, you know, in an ATR should look like, you know, um, like a voodoo house or some shit. You know, some real dramatic, theatrical, you know, stereotypes. But it wasn't even that. You, you walk in, it's a normal house. Um, you don't even see anything until you go in the Santos room for the reading. Um, and, you know, even him himself, you know, he could just like little, you know, um, you know, the handsome little Mexican dude, you know, comes out and, you know, this, this, and he just, it's, it's just so unassuming, just so normal, you know, um, not at all what you expect until you go back there and you get that damn reading. So, um, the culmination of that was that he was like, you need to receive a like and, um, you know, you need to receive your warriors and whatever. And, um, I was like, bullshit. I don't know you. I don't know anything about this. I'm not initiating in anything like what what is my elbow like what is let me do that let me give my whatever that is and I'm gonna be on my merry way (laughs) I wasn't so in disbelief like not disbelief not not in disbelief I can't say that because there was he told me things he should have not known so I definitely believed, but it was just like I just wasn't with it I was just like I don't know nothing about this I just met you and now you want me to initiate like mm mm-mm you know, so I did my elbow, paid my derecho, and I went back to Vegas. You know, I mean, I went back to Atlanta. Um, and so then, you know, so that was the summer, and then we're getting into August, and now we're being evicted again. You know, we're being evicted again, and um, and this time there's, you know, no way that we have money, because Miko wasn't working either. So it's three of us, and three adults in this one house, 
And, um, and none of us had income, you know, none of us had income. And so, um, so now we're, we're, there was no way that we were going to be able to get out of this one. We'd been holding on for pretty much most of the year. And then now all of a sudden it was like, okay, yeah, this, this really may be it. And, um, and this was, it was, we ended up getting evicted. Um, and we were out by like the first or second week of September, but we found another place. We found the house, um, that was in, on, on Rolling Hill over in the Ben Hill area, um, which is where more people like that's when Sunday service, once we moved over there and we started doing Sunday service there, that's when Sunday service really started popping off. Um, but yeah, like we had to pack up our shit and, you know, we, we brought Miko with us because, you know, we weren't, I wasn't going to leave her homeless. We, the house that we moved into, and I won't talk about how we got into the house, you know, um, <laughs> cause that shit was nothing but ancestors and God that, you know, cause we did not have no resources to move into something else. Um, but we got into that house and, um, and those who know, know, but, um, you know, we, I, I, we, I worked the fuck out of some magic to get into that shit and to make sure that we had, um, shelter. And so, you know, we, we move into the Rolling Hill house. Um, and you know, we, we picked the house and we were considered of Miko and we brought her with us. And that is the sixth transition. Um, so I will leave it there. Um, I think I will do a part three. I think I can cover the rest of my story in one more part. Um, but yeah, this was a lot to digest. So, and it, it still gets even more wild after this. Um, so I will leave it at that. Um, and I will put this out and then we will stay tuned for part three of my story.